0: Truth suffers from too much analysis, ancient Fremen saying. Welcome to Spice World. An inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune Messiah. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we open up a new bottle of wine, have a bit of a buzzed book club here, Derek. Now, but hey, yeah. Derek, this week. Yeah. I wanted to surprise you. Oh, with, hey. uh, with yeah. a special bottle? An old old, old friend of the uh, podcast, if you will. This is like as close a friend to me as Terrible Purpose is to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's one, Louis Martini. Ah, oh, the best. Out of, uh, what is that, Sonoma? Yeah, Sonoma County. In California, 2018. Love it. Catch mm-hmm. some. you so can't go a, wrong. Not a new bottle this week, but a, a family favorite. It's always a new bottle of the same vintage. <laughs> <laughs> we count the bottles, not the wine. But. Oh figure, go. Gotcha, gotcha. Um but so, That aside, old old friend in wine, old friend in of a character, Mike, because <gasps> guys telling the Haim chapters rank among my favorites. She's uh she's being a little uh Feisty. Well, feisty is a good way to put it. I would say she has reason to be. She's oh. in jail. Um, <laughs> you know, I you're not happy at this point. That's true. That's true. I think every, everybody's tense. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like we're doing a conspiracy <laughs> against almost the like emperor we're doing of the No New illegal. <laughs> yeah, that too. But, uh, oh, Derek, mm. we had a new shipment of smuggled sappho juice coming to our CH the other day. Ooh, what do you mean? That, well, Gotta stock up. We have so many patrons coming in, including another one. Hold me, uh, tap the keg as well. Oh my god, okay. So coming in as a Sappho Juice enthusiast, we have Watch Ergo Proxy. Watch Ergo Proxy. Which, first of all, I was just like, that's awesome, because, like, that's, uh, an anime that I had seen, like, a couple episodes on way back when, when I was a teen. It's just, like, up late, uh... What's What's the anime? Uh, Ergo Proxy. Okay, so it, it, her name is an instruction. Their name is literally "Go Watch <laughs> Ergo Proxy." I've never heard of or seen this. Um, it's wild. So I I saw the the pop up with the message. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty awesome. It's like, ah, oh, I remember that show. I'm like, wait, do I remember that show? I've seen like three episodes of it, all out of order. <laughs> I watched it again recently because I'm like, I'm you know what, I'm going to go in knowing uh, what you're going to watch yeah, Ergo Proxy. I'm going yeah, to go I'm, watch it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> um. Ooh, it is not something you watch out of order. (laughs) It's absolutely not. Is it only three episodes? No, it's 24 episodes. Is that like one season? Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so it starts as a futuristic dystopian film noir, Uh and then immediately turns into a post-apocalyptic odyssey with some very heavy doses of Alice in Wonderland thrown in. Of course. Along the way, it's like, it's uh, just a constant discovery of mysteries within mysteries within mysteries. <laughs> 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 eh? But uh, it's, it's one of those things where, like, I don't, if, you, if you're going to watch it, I don't want to spoil it for you because it just escalates into the point where, like, every episode you learn a little something about the history of the world and how much bigger and smaller it is at the same time. Ooh, okay, okay. What, uh, what, what can I watch it on? You can watch it on Hulu right now Sweet. at the time of this recording. I like it, That found, That sounded like I just teed you up for a good pitch. I am <laughs> just like, you're going to sign up for Hulu right is now. Not, <laughs> not a sponsor of the show Yeah, no, <laughs> We're going to get there now. Uh, no, no, I'm totally going to check that out. So uh, I guess, how do I even say it? I want to say like this is for Ergo Proxy, but I guess this, <laughs> this one is going to be dedicated to watch Ergo Proxy. Watch Ergo Proxy. This one's for you. Welcome to this yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's like a little uptick on google trends like a lot of people are watching this show yeah it's really weird at least those few people I might know yeah it is really good it's a it's a slow pace but also a very quick pace at the same time it's oh, it's something that you really don't understand <laughs> i don't is. know how to describe it man. no no don't i mean i'm just i'm gonna jump into it i will have my first report next week I guess. <laughs> sure. uh, we'll sit down i'll at least get episode one through all right do you have uh, anything else? We got to cap out on another keg of Saffa. What are we doing? No, here? no, no. Okay, we're good to go. Shipments aren't coming for a while. All right. Well, Mike, why don't you follow me down? We're gonna head deep, deep. Deep into the Atreides keep because they go to jail down there. They do, and we are going to the death cell interview. With, oh no, I'm sorry. Um, we are Excuse going me? to the what? prison cell interview. With the, <laughs> oh God, is she in the death cell? Well, just you have to get that illusion. <laughs> if we we started the book with the death cell interview, yeah, yeah. of a person who is being imprisoned by the Kizarat, mm-hmm. Uh thrown in there, who arrested guys Helen. Oh, the Kizarot showed up. We thrown her in now. Clearly, she's not dying this chapter, Mike. Mm. She's good. She's a tough old lady. How do you how do you think, guys, Helen is going to go out when her time finally comes? Oh, I don't even know. Is she a blaze of glory I kind of I think it's woman a blaze of or, glory or kind of Or will she thing. make it to, like, I'm going to die of old age, god damn it. No, I think it's going to be a blaze of glory. I don't know how, but I know it's going to be good. <laughs> okay. You got, <laughs> you got nothing you want to pontificate on? I don't know. All right. Well. I, I don't know. Maybe, uh... Maybe her own uh, gumjabar so to speak. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Like before somebody else yeah, can get yeah, to yeah. her. It's like her cyanide capsule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old Jabar. I always keep that thimble in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, you never know when. Also, uh, the uh, epigraph at the beginning of this chapter, very short and lackluster, just like the last one. Yeah, and I mean, sort of, is it's, it's an indicative of her, uh, Gaius Helen's predicament. Just being, like, in this situation where she is, all she can do is analyze everything around her, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's like truth suffers from that kind of point of view. I mean, like, view. you can overthink something. Always. Well, I, I think it's more than even you, because it, it's like truth suffers from overanalysis. Maybe it's sort of like by you overlooking, like, you eventually believe lies or create lies, because mm. uh, that's some that's part of the theme we've been seeing with paul right like he's creating things he believes that aren't real mm-hmm. i.e cheney's um uh i want like um fertility or lack thereof hmm. right like he's not honing in that earlan's using his contraceptive but it's, right. but it's there that's right, right, the right. truth of the matter so yeah I guess in the context of this chapter that is the one thing i could say that like is the thing that's being missed just by like Overthinking, yeah, and and I kind of feel like I mean I I think I will be forced to back into Iralon's corner again a little bit. Oh, I mean she's a bit of a dum-dum in this chapter, but uh, <laughs> but just because her boss, I do think Iralon had the better play with Paul's genes than guys Hella Mahayam did. Oh yeah, no, definitely right. And like, why aren't we committing to this now? Then to what? To Iralon's plan <laughs> because she's Iralon. <Irulan. laughs> That's the only. She's reason. getting the Edric treatment. She really is. <laughs> It's like whichever one of them is in the room, just like gets all the ire of everyone else. You think at that round table meeting earlier for the conspirators, it was just Sidetail and guys Helen behind talking to each other. It's like, shh, the adults are talking. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, poor. Imagine when it's them and Edric. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was probably pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> He wasn't even... A- and, and then Ed- Irulan came along and Edric had a playmate all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, no, but then that still knocks Edric to the bottom. He always is the bottom. Irulan gets above him, Mike. She slides in out of the shit show. But let's let's go back. We got to focus in on this uh, jail cell real quick because we get a cool image of what's going on here. And guys, sure. Helen, she's in this basket chair and it's pulled up to a pallet uh, and it's got sort of this brown cover on it. Uh, do, you know, do you know what a pallet is in this context? Uh, no. It's a, a makeshift bed. Oh. So anytime you hear like pallets, it's just like, uh, imagine like a barracks thrown together cool. or like yeah. just little resort. This is not comfortable. This probably is not supposed to be a bed all the time. Here we go. We got a little makeshift bed and, uh, she has the dune tarot over her bed. So this brown cover that stretch out, that's Ooh. where she's laying the tarot down. She doesn't have like a table in here. It's the chair and the bed. That's it. And then it's just solid rock cut with uh cutter rays, right? This is uh, probably the same area Paul was that night. He slept way under the keep. Oh. When they uh, oh. nobody should no boy should be so confident with the threat of atomics <laughs> kind of deal. These little Paul diary etched into the stove. <laughs> well, maybe it is a new building. Yeah, oh, going, that's right. We've yeah, this thing is massive, and we basically dug up the entire plains that that battle was fought on. So whatever house Paul was in, that's probably like a closet in this house. <laughs> <laughs> like the Dang. whole thing is might be a closet. Wow. Um, now, Irulan has come down here, and they kind of just say, like, of all these places, it's like, Irulan's the only one who's able to visit her down here, mm. and I don't think Gaius Helen is so stoked about that. And apparently, contacting Jessica was some sort of contingency plan they had set before, right? Interesting. Because Irulan, she's going to tell us she hasn't come down here yet, but she sent that message off when she heard Gaius Helen got picked up. Oh. And I'm like, I don't think she would have done that on a whim. And then, guys, hell, and ask about it. Uh, so that was kind of gnarly. And then, Irulan tells us, don't expect Jessica to intervene, though. Yeah, just like, sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's very into the whole Bene Gesserit thing. <laughs> and she's definitely not into the whole Paul thing either, though. Mm-hmm. So, wh- where do you think Jessica would stand on this issue? Honestly, I think she's probably just at the point where, like, I think I've done enough. I think I fucked up the universe in my own right too much. I think I'm just going to stand back. I like that touch. At first, I thought you just meant as a Bene no. Like, I, I fulfilled enough duties, but you're kind of be like nah it's probably best i don't like yes. just <laughs> as a responsible human being and looking at my track record i tried to do right by me once did not work out yeah maybe i'll let somebody else try <laughs> Try a few times that could very well be how she feels mm-hmm. like i don't want to influence humanity anymore right i just want to so, be a lady just, just those three years of negotiations then i'm out to caladan hell yeah gurney hop on was it three or six uh, I think it was three of the negotiations when wow. we had uh, Cheney being, like, hardcore, just right, right, laying right. into them. Uh, <laughs> but certainly, I mean, they've gone on to this day. Yep. We, we just uh, figured out how to handle the two piles, like, last week. Yeah. Uh, so it's not moving quickly for them. Now, Irulan, though, I love this. She's coming down here, right? Mm-hmm. Kai's Helen's in the middle of doing some doom tarot and Ireland's going to peek over her shoulder a little bit and see these cards spread out. And uh, I think she gets it all wrong uh, when she looks down at them. So she glanced at the cards. They spoke of, a, of the powerful turning their backs on supplicants. The guard, The card of the great worm lay beneath desolate sand. Patience was counseled. Did one require the tarot to see this? She asked herself. Now... Where I think she gets it wrong, and guys, Helen's going to kind of back me up later on this, is that patience is not what's counseled here. I think it's careful action, not waiting, that is determined here. Oh. And then I'm like, I got some fremen reasoning to throw in. The great worm is under the desolate sands. Do you just wait? No. You walk without rhythm. You do something.
1: You oh. take but you're
0: very carefully okay. you're doing something precise, right? That's a really good take. That's my take. I like that. And I'm like, I know guys Helens on the same page. Yeah, yeah it's- And dum dum though, over here. Irulan. Like, <laughs> she doesn't know. She's shitty at the tarot. <laughs> First, okay, also, in the the previous chapter when we talked when Paul was talking about like, oh, the tarot. Mm-hmm. I think I thought he was talking about sort of like uh a um, Almost like a mystic name for, like, this uh, idea of prescience and, like, uh, divining possible futures. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was a literal tarot deck. You were thinking sort of, like, something like the Tao that we experience in C.H., but maybe, like, a broader... I was, yeah, something metaphysical. Yeah. It's just sort of a mystical way to, like... Although, I guess that would go more into Korba's ballpark than it would Paul's. So... Yeah, I, just, I didn't think it was literal. It was you didn't just think kinda... Pokemon cards? No, like, yeah, um, no. Guys, <laughs> I'm oh, Scott Charizard. We're, uh, is, no, we're going to see, I think, next chapter. Uh, we actually get to see, that they're in packs, Mike. They're in green packs at stands. <laughs> you, like, oh, my God. You get them when you unwrap them. You literally get your cards. Get uh, your Muad'Dib tarot yeah, cards. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that might be blasphemy. I don't the know. Slappers on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, they're all, they're everywhere. Oh, no. You can imagine packs being torn, like, they're probably littering the streets. Um, There's got to be a game made out of this. Oh, I'm just, like, playing them out yeah. You still evolve them, though. It's weird. Pokemon <laughs> was inevitable with this. My Muad'Dib counters your Sardaukar. <laughs> I'm at my Quizah rock Oh, no. So we have um, Irulan getting down here, and she sort of looks around, and the, there's a guard that's watching them, and she knows there's going to be a whole plethora of monitors down here, mm-hmm. right? We're yeah. probably re- recording her heat temperature, like any <laughs> subtle sounds that <laughs> are made, like maybe an X ray filter, just because. We know all of her allergies. Oh, we, does she have? Oh, she wouldn't have any, would she? I don't know. I bet she can manipulate her body to <laughs> maybe just be like, nope. <laughs> Incompetence. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, because there's one bit um, in – I think this is in Heretics of Dune. We have this awesome – you get to meet so many reverend mothers, and there's one reverend mother who still has glasses. And, like, she refused to, like, correct her eyes. With herself. Like she could have done that growing up and oh. stuff, right? But she chose to keep them that way. And it's just like an acknowledgement of like, you know, the nat- natural way of things. Interesting. And they all like, it's sort of just a, a marker of respect for her. There's Th- no diminutive really cool. to it, but I just thought it was really interesting for them. Uh, so I, w- I would say that she probably would have no, no allergies, maybe, hmm. but she could choose to if she, <laughs> wanted. <laughs> if she wanted to. Yeah. Now, uh, Gaius Hellmayam, she's been doing meditations interspersed with the tarot. Do you know why this is? No. It's to keep the muddy waters muddy, Mike. Oh. I don't don't want Paul looking... I'm not safe anymore. I'm not on that Highliner with the Guild Steersman. Is this sort of alluding to a little bit of prescience that guys Helm Mahayna has? Well, we've already kind of established she does. She used at the end of uh, the last book. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so... And then she'd just be like, I'm just doing my part. Like, just making white noise here. So... Well, she's stopping to do these meditations and probably, like, one, body exercises, but also thinking. Yeah. She's just stopping to then just fuck with Paul and make it harder for him to see what's going on here. If he can see it all. Also, the idea, going back to that epigraph, truth suffers from too much analysis. Maybe just, like, taking a step back and being like, okay. Oh, of her, like, pausing for that reason? Yeah. yeah of, like, knowing this is sort of, oh, I mean, it's an ancient, ancient Fremen saying, but it just, it reeks of Bene Gesserit axiom, right? True. I mean, what, well, I mean, she has memories from the, the, from old Fremen. Oh, I mean, we, we speculate, who knows? You didn't want to lean into uh, her. Cool, aha, meet- uh-huh, Derek. No, no, I see, it, but you didn't want to lean into her knowing Romalo uh, for yeah, Romalo's no, backstory. Yeah, I thought that, that was just a little was was too, too campy. That was, that was too far for you. Uh, but yeah, no, I, to- I totally believe there's something yeah. in there uh, for pulling that one out. So she also has the litany to lean on, uh, which is great, and this helps her keep her cool while she's processing the events that led to her getting in this cell. And that's where we lead to our next thing. Of- flashback. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's her being pissed too. It's anger that causes the flashback of just remembering this man having the audacity to arrest the like the mother supreme. Corba's bad cop. Wait, Corba's nowhere in here. Oh, who was it? That uh- it's just a Kizara. That's That that oh, gotcha. that wasn't Corba uh corbo you know i mean he's been down on the planet i don't he would have had to gone up and down since we saw him at that meeting true uh but okay i get because he is our main Kizarat representative right, right, right. Uh, yeah, that yeah. would have been interesting if it was him i think he would have been mentioned though for sure yeah uh he, corbo would have like he would have loved to bring her down knowing her relationship to fall yeah, like he'd yeah. be like i'm doing such a i'm gonna be such a good boy like <laughs> corbo gets a treat now yeah we uh we're gonna flash to the highliner and on the reception bridge of the Highliner, a Kizara priest waits for Gaius Helmaheim. And he's just, he's chill as can be, right? He's not mm-hmm. even looking up at her. He's probably got a little, like, oh, probably the Bible, whatever they use Bible. for theirs. Uh, or clipboard. Uh, yeah, no, hold on. <laughs> I, want go, I want to go by. He's looking down, he's turning the page, and there's, like, a servant bringing over the spiced coffee. They're pouring it in. I love the bulb jar that they describe. That was, um uh, looking into, like, Turkish brewing, the picture that we had seen was, like, a very bulbous... um. Uh, what would I want to say, Uh like, vessel that you boil it in sure. so that when you pour it out, it holds all the grounds in there. Oh yeah. yeah. Like you get less of that. It's uh, all, the sediment kind of, stays there. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, so they're saying there was a little bulb cup that he has while he's drinking. It. I, I assume it's the same reasoning. That's for really cool. Yeah. Uh, and she's now wondering like, hmm, how'd this guy know I was here? How do because I'm only a highlighter. Like, like I no got, one should have known. I got a guild representative here. Yeah, I didn't tell anyone I was coming. And, uh, I mean, Mike, I have in my notes here after it, her asking, I was like, no, really, how? <laughs> like, <"No>, really, how? <laughs> how do you think she got caught? That's true. Like, somebody had to sell her upriver. I don't think Paul, Paul definitely couldn't have seen it. At least I don't think. And he gave us no clue that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very out of the blue right now. Maybe, hmm, let's speculate on this. Yeah, what, what do you think? So, what are our options? It's got to be Edric is not able to conceal her. Right. So, but at that point, the whole conspiracy would be out of the bag. Hmm. You think, like, I think Irolan's game would have shown through a little yeah. too much. So, maybe not that. Uh, could it be that Edric's not able to block her? Maybe not. Or maybe, like, he just doesn't understand. I mean, there's always that aspect that, like, you know, him and Paul don't know the extent of each other's powers. We're... You know what? Maybe it's Thytale. Mm. Maybe an anonymous tip. The Ben H. Yeah. throwing her under the bus? Well, I mean, like... Maybe not throwing it under the bus, so to speak, but, like, that's just, like, another domino in his plan overall. How does it help his plan? I don't know yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what I'm just saying? He's too cunning for me, Derek. I don't know. But you're happy to shape it into a domino for him. <laughs> okay, okay. He, he, so Based on you- what I've, like... What I know of Sightail so far, that would be absolutely the kind of thing. That, say, so you're using, this is how the Mentat mind would work, Mike. You know his pattern. Now you're looking at the scenarios, and you're like, his pattern could apply here. I don't know where it goes, but, like, it it has that stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Of, like, yeah, he's part of the conspiracy. He's interacting with her. If he put her on, you know he's in it for his own advantage. Right. Not for hers, so. And we know he's at least been able to sort of infiltrate, uh, the ranks of the Fremen for at least a time here because he's wearing a Fremen face right now. Yeah. Oh, he's he, whatever he is, he's the contact that got to Farouk. Yeah. Right? By some means of setting it up because Farouk knew he was coming. Yeah. They had a like a call response code word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, yeah, so, something's been set up here for a long time. So, whoever the Fremen agents in the conspiracy are, they are aligned somewhat with the Tlaxlu for whatever reason. How many Fremen agents are there? I'm like, we had a fucking hard enough time to figure out how many Fremen there were.
1: <laughs> you really want to dig into Fremen agents? Ten Fremen agents. <laughs> so we're,
0: we're going to start with Korva. Um, now we know there's Korva and Farouk. Yeah, I, I'm not going to tell you how many Fremen agents there are, Mike. Okay. I will tell you Paul will get a complete list Okay, by the end of this oh. book. Oh. Yeah. There is a list on it's like a book. It's on Dune right now, and you've already been told about it. Though obviously, you don't know that you have. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you even know where the list okay. is? That's really fucked up. Was it the Distrans message? It was not the Distrans message. Okay. I'll let you take one more guess if you want, but otherwise, I'm no, not continue, clearly going to shut continue. you down. But it's there. It's there. All right. Um. All right. So he reminds of being the Kizara. Uh, that uh, you do know you're not allowed on Arrakis. And Guy's home's like, looking at space all around her. <laughs> I'm just like, pretty aware. <laughs> not there now, am I? And she's like, I'm in free space. And he's like, oh, that's very cute. There's no such thing as free space. There's Deed space. I'm like, yes, Ooh. that is how an emperor rolls. That's <laughs> uh, good. I like that. Uh, and then um, this must be an especially painful for Gaius um to be at the receiving end of a priest of yeah. all oh, people. Yeah, yeah. Just like that's someone clearly she has no respect for. Like <laughs> everything you're doing, my people like created, <laughs> you know, like and manipulated. Um and she tells him we get this great play of words of Arrakis is not my destination, she insisted. And he responds, Arrakis is the destination of everyone. I'm like, again, that's a great pre-slide, yeah, yeah. but to Micaiah's Helen, she's probably so furious of like knowing the origin oh. and all the breakdowns of why you say that line and where it came They're from. Like, oh, God. Yeah, and she feared for a moment that he would launch into res- a recital of the mystic itinerary which pilgrims <laughs> followed. <laughs> She's like, you say one thing. She's been on a ship with thousands of them. Now, they wouldn't have been, like, interacting, because, again, how a highliner works, they're all in their own ships. Sure, sure. But she just saw, you know, you can see the presence of Paul, people on Paul Taj, essentially, mm-hmm. all over the place. This religion is like wildfire. So... Was this happening, like, inside the Highliner itself? Yeah, so that's kind of the weird thing of, like, are you kind of queuing in what I just said where they would all be separate? Yeah. Like, clearly she is in the part where, like, the guild reps are operating, right? Mm -hmm. If there's a reception bridge, I don't think there, unless, like, it could be that the guild could take any of the ships to this reception bridge if you're summoned. Because, like, you know, uh, this is a highly exceptional situation where the emperor is you know uh what do you, what would you call it I'm not commandeering um but we're like when you kind of extradite someone oh uh, I don't know whatever it would be called to request the extradition basically mm-hmm. you know we're taking Kaisel Bahaim. uh yeah like wow is that extraordinary rendition mm, I don't think so okay but just the fact that like Someone, like, comes up to you and is like, mm, you're not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I, but I'm not. <laughs> like, yeah, why but I'm here? not where you're telling me I'm not supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh But, no, she's going to come down. And at this, the Kizara, this was a, a weird little bit that happens, but he, he pulls a golden amulet from beneath his robe, kissed it, touched it to his forehead, and then placed it to his right ear and listened. Pleasantly, he restored the amulet to its hidden place. Interesting. Now, that, then he tells her, like, I have the orders, and I demand you come with me. So I'm like, what the fuck is that amulet? I don't know. It's, I think it's like a transmitter. Yeah, but like, it definitely is. And I, I think it must be just be like, this is your message. Maybe a distrans from Paul. I don't know about that. He he ends up saying, from the, these are the orders of the emperor. So I'm like, maybe he, because like, and the reverence to hear it, like you've done all these steps before you let the emperor's words bless your ears, so to speak. Um, But it's something, I don't know if it's a live transmitter transmitter or a message. Uh, I just thought that was a really weird little bit and a piece of technology that like, Frank's like, I'm going to show you, but we're not going to talk about it i'm like <laughs> why like, like is that your cell phone like what the yeah, what is that it shit? kind of feels like it doesn't it yeah it's kind of cool i mean on an ambulance like we yeah. did not think about doing that um but yeah so the keys are right. he demands you're gonna come with me Gaius helen is like all right what's, what's the, the guild, guild had to say about this well she looks over at the guild <laughs> she she even thinks like should i protest to the commander of the vessel here and then yeah. she's like That'd be useless. What's this guy going to do? He's middle management, Mike. Like, there's basically no one important enough present to stop it in time. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you had, like, you know, some major upper, you know, I don't even know who runs the guild, but if one of them was present, they might have enough sway to be like, you're not overstepping our neutrality to do this. But, like, that commander, there's nothing he's going to be able to do to the Kisarab Priest from the capital of the known universe. Right, right, right. You're done. It's like, I need you to come to me too. Yeah, but I love it. Yeah, she looks over and I'm like, oh, should I? Nah, what a, what a waste of my time, his time, and this guy's time. I'm like, let's just get this over with. Uh, but continuing this thought she has of who betrayed her. So we touched on the guild. We touched on Sytale. She has one more um, potential threat she wants to throw out. Ooh. Was it the abomination? Was this Aaliyah's powers coupled with Paul's? It could be. This is every chapter. This thought has come up in some manner. What are Aaliyah's powers? Are we ever going to know? Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to, we're going to fuck it. Mike, we're going to meet Aaliyah very thoroughly uh, coming soon. Not, com- not coming soon, but like as we're going. Okay. And I think Frank has just set it up intentionally so, uh, just to be like, because. Well, we were on a ride through Dune. We never really questioned what they were because they were new. We were like, we're waiting for you to even use them, right? Right, right, right. But now we're at a point of kind of questioning, one, what are they? And, like, what is the cost of them each time you use them? Because there is. Paul's dug himself a hole he doesn't think he's getting out of anytime soon, right. right? He feels so trapped. How does Aaliyah feel? And when you use Paul's and Aaliyah's powers together, as they've been able to do for 12 years, that the three-year-old was not willing to <laughs> do with Paul, you know? Like, what does that yield? Hmm. They've had time to perfect themselves in a manner. Interesting. These are honed weapons. Now, Gaia Elmahiam is uh, She's basically being brought to the place of her greatest defeat. Jessica turned on her. Paul's bloodline was lost and Fade's was completely lost. Yeah. Well, okay. no, Ooh, not completely. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Frank does miss that, doesn't he? Yeah. We forgot about a little uh, Margot's baby. The ma- Margot. Did she not know? No, she would have had to know because Margot's part of the. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 She did that for the Betty. Bene- that was the Verhazmi. That-, that was pure Betty yeah. Jethro through <laughs> yeah. and through. That's a little weird. Well, it might be just that, um, you know, what they saved isn't the pure line. It is now half Margot. Right? True. So yeah. maybe that is enough of a, a detraction to be like, hmm. Like, uh, we can do that in like maybe 100 years. Yeah. I mean, it could be just as small as like the same reason why we don't, we didn't quite ever get an answer. Like, why didn't Jessica just have a second child? Yeah. Pop out a boy <laughs> bo- or a, a girl, whatever you need. Just do it now. <laughs> we we still can do this whole plan. We're just nine months off. You could have had Irish twins. Would have been fine. Could have like uh, papered over this whole problem. <laughs> But alas, here we are, Mike. (laughs) Now an old woman's being dragged to jail. (laughs) So the keys tells her these orders come from Paul. Mm -hmm. And this is where she is like, okay, the emperor is directly, like she is the one who's telling me the emperor is involved. And she thinks about protesting. This is useless. And we just get this statement of her saying, well, the emperor has said I must die if I set foot on Dune. You spoke of this yourself. You are condemning me if you take me down there. The keys were just like nice try. Let's go. Like, <laughs> nope. Yeah. You are right, but uh don't care. <laughs> I, I do. I think it's like great, like uh, you know like when Shaddam was pushed into corn at the end of the yeah. dude. He tried a few like these are weak attempts, but like, eh, you gotta if you're there. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're be hitting yourself later if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if that did work? If she <laughs> saw in the tarot. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Would have been awful. But here we go. And um with the sick uh with the sick feeling that she was caught in a web of her own spinning, she had turned to obey. That I appreciate. Because yes, this is like all your are uh, it's a nice it yeah. You know, in the same way Paul didn't really have a choice. You didn't get to choose all the later parts, but you put his hand in that box. You put us on this road. So we who out of the highlighter. We mm-hmm. go back down to the jail cell. Our uh flashback is over now, Mike. And guys, hell no, she's still a little catty. And uh she sees that Irulon has aged since their meeting on Wallach 9. And I'm just like, ooh. ooh, that's not like really why would you know why even say that? Why why tell me that? <laughs> when was their meeting on Wallach 9? Not that long ago. <laughs> it was when Irulan returned. You think just the stress, Earlon's getting grazed left and right now? Definitely. And one other thing that I kind of think, I was thinking about. It's a thought I can't uh, erase totally. Sure. But maybe this kind of validates. Remember the accusation that when Sissia made in the uh, deep dive I did on the Ladies of Karina? Oh, it's been a while. She had this uh, catty thing of like, Irlon's been suppressing her age. She looks younger than me now because Irlon's supposed to be the oh. older of the daughters. And I'm like, maybe Erlon has been smudging her age a little bit, and the stress of this week has sort of slipped her up. Maybe. A gray hair made it through, or something. Some wrinkles around the eyes that okay. she normally like keeps plushed. But I, I think either way, the stress of the situation to me is it's got to be it. Like, what else would be weighing on her so much? Right, right, right. And she has been. Livid pissed a couple times, <laughs> like, dealing with Paul. Uh, but, guys, Helen has already realized, like, I'm not going to spare Irulan any mercy in the orders I'm giving her. Yeah. Like, we're going to test her to her limits with this next one. Uh, now, do you remember what the um words of her order are? Because she, she said she's going to make Irulan basically, like, live up to the words of her order. I don't know. Uh, it's not in there. What was it? I am a Bene Gesserit. I exist to only serve. to serve. Oh, that's the, You know, that's like Jessica's thing that she brought up in the first one. Uh, that is how the Bene Gesserit are. That's how guys Helen sees them. Like, that's what you're here to do. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to er- Irulan's credit, she does, right? She's trying. Well, no, but I mean, even when she gets her orders, like, yeah, she accepts them. So, I mean, yeah. No, I mean, Irulan's doing her best here. Like, everyone's just shitting on her. Yeah. And you know what? Like, Edric deserves it. Irulan doesn't. Yeah, Edric doesn't (laughs) deserve it. I know, I know. He's he's been fine. (laughs) So this is uh, when the real discussion between them starts, right? So the women turn to each other, and, like, their hands just start flicking back and forth, start making all these... I don't even know what they're doing. Like, it's Cat's Cradle, something. (laughs) Uh, But they're also having, like, a very bland conversation on top of that to cover it and disguise it. And it starts a little early then the hands go and they're going to carry on the conversation. They even cover this up more. So, so just secret talks, secret talks, this right? Is, uh, very reminiscent of, uh, Margo and Hazmir. Just hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Oh my God. <sighs> that couple, man. Fucking power couple. They, they really I are. I love them so much. <laughs> Cause like, that's so only them. Nobody else uses <laughs> a humming language. Cause they made it up. Yeah. Cause it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I like if I could bring one character back, he would be my Gola character of choice. <laughs> like I don't know where you put him, he could have been like working for the God Emperor, would have been awesome. Like just a Fenring Gola would have made my day. Um, but guys, hell no, she's got some harsh opinions on Irulan. She she wants to share Mike, she can't tell Irulon, so she's mm. gonna think him to us. Uh, okay, okay, thank God. So the Reverend Mother sighed. On the surface, it was a sigh of a prisoner bemoaning her fate, but inwardly, she felt the response as a comment on Irolan. It was futile to hope the Atreides Emperor's precious gene pattern could be preserved through this instrument. No matter her beauty, this princess was flawed. Oh. Yeah, I'm damn. Like, good lord. Uh, and then this last calls are her a whining shrew. Under the veneer of sexual attraction lived a whining shrew. Jeez. Right? Like that one, especially. I'm just like, I think you're just angry. Guys. <laughs> you're angry he got arrested. You know what? You might just need a snack. I think your blood sugar <laughs> might Snickers. just be off. Yeah. Like, gonna be here a while in jail. <laughs> um, but it ends with this really ominous uh, phrase The sisterhood reserved certain techniques to use on some of its weaker vessels as oh. insurance. Like oh, what do you think that is? I don't know. I don't think we see it in this chapter. Whatever it is, is it sort of like a like an adobe to uh, I don't know, like kill themselves almost like a cyanide capsule? I I don't know. Definitely I, no. I don't think they would ever. I don't think they would need something like that. That doesn't seem very Bene Gesserit of like. I don't know what seems Bene Gesserit anymore. Well, I know. I'd like I think for. Just that from them, the idea of like wasting a tool versus repurposing a tool. I feel well, like they would always repurpose something before they would throw it away. Yeah, but if you get to a point where you are incapable of repurposing it, and like the tool is causing more harm than good, <laughs> right? Right. But you're, that's I think that's more elaborate than like these techniques to some of its weaker vessels as insurance, or I guess weaker vessel. we've we've tried it a few times. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. They, oh, oh, I don't think Irulan's gone that far, uh, but. Clearly, the instructions that we're going to give her are, might require whatever these techniques are. And right. Gaius Helen, she's ready to use them. Oh, my God. So, Irulan's orders. You want to you want tell me what they are, Mike? What is uh, what is this crazy goal she's been given? So, we're going into some Game of Thrones territory Yeah, Just old school just, English, you know, monarchy. Just, uh, some, uh, just old school incest. Hell, yeah. Irulan must mate Paul with Aaliyah. Ah! Yeah, I mean, I'm like, they're not people. (laughs) If anything, Aaliyah is weirder because of like all the shit that went into her. This is not a turn I expected. (laughs) It makes sense from her perspective. It's like we got the genes here. We got the genes here. We just need to do a little mixing. (laughs) You got to respect the pragmatism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i just like, that is a very like, yeah, you you just put this on paper. I guess that is what no, you do. Absolutely. That's totally true. But it's just one of those things where I'm just like, oh, I was not expecting that to happen. I know. And neither was Irulon. because this nearly breaks her. And uh, <laughs> she begs for her chance first. Yeah. And guys, Helen, ice fucking cold is like, you've had your chances. You've like, had 13 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it is fair. Again, like, she's got this all on paper. It doesn't make sense. But, yeah, yeah you've had plenty of time here. What are you going to do this week? After you've already begged Paul just yesterday, and you got shot down so hard, Paul apologized to you. <laughs> and he doesn't apologize to anyone. No! He sterilized worlds, Mike. <laughs> This scale of shit is so off on every decision that we're making in this book. So the idea is that like uh, they're both sort of alone in their own uh, minds in a way, just like no one else can understand them, so all they really have is each other. She's going to try and push that. Yeah, I love it. Aaliyah is the only one he could confide in, especially about his power. That's the only one who understands, and this is in a way that, like, even Chaney could never bond with him on. True. I mean, I think she does a good job, but you're right. I mean, like, she'll just never fully understand it. hmm But uh, I, I don't know. I think maybe in order to do this, they're probably going to try and assassinate Chaney. Well, she gives her a list of, like, uh, things to approach it with. Of, like, one, she says, uh, guys, Helen's like, do they ever argue? So make Paul and Chaney have an argument. Like, find the issues that divide them and amplify. Uh, create any opportunity to arrange intimate encounters between Aaliyah and Paul. So we gotta, we're gotta we going to keep an eye on that as we go forward. Anytime they're together, we'll have to ask ourselves, like, is this because of this plot? Have they been guided into this room together or something? Um, and then as a final possibility, the elimination of Chaney, if we need to because grief dissolved traditional barriers. And that that one is like, again, so cutthroat and brutal. And I yeah. think she is right.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. just
0: like that it would it would drive them so close. And then like, I don't know how you get that last step, but <laughs> yeah, like- It's gotta be if, something. If anyone's gonna know, it's the Bene Gesserit. Um, <laughs> They've been doing it for millennia. Yeah. Uh, and then Irulan's just like, okay, I get this plan. Uh, allow me to point out that maybe if anything happens to Cheney, regardless of if I do it, I'm the one they're going to blame. Like, everyone, last think, time somebody tried to kill Cheney, they all looked at me, and, and that I, one wasn't I, even my fault. I think guys fault. was just like, and? <laughs> and like, Go on. I'm sorry. Did you have something actually interesting to say? <laughs> no. Irulan doesn't bring new facts to the table. So then Irulan is like, well, look. She's on this Fremen diet now, Cheney is. So I'm not even able to administer the contraceptive anymore. So she might even be super fertile, which, oh. Kaius Helen already had a bad day, right? <laughs> like, oh
1: god. Let's take
0: it to a ten because she's like, how can you? this is where I'm, I think she does go too far. Yeah. She's like, how can you be so stupid? I'm just like, why wouldn't you tell me that in the beginning? I'd be like, you're not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. What's <laughs> the matter if this came up? I'm in telling the you be- now. <laughs> I'm like, granted, we've wasted a few minutes, <laughs> but like, the plan's not ruined because of this. I don't need. Yeah, this one was too harsh. Um, so now, for guys hella mahaim, the chances of Paul having an heir are higher than ever. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, they, a, they just are. And the conspiracy probably isn't getting together for another meeting anytime soon. Not before uh, Cheney might get pregnant. Well, no, I'm just like, one's in prison. One is now the guild ambassador. Mm-hmm. Irulan's clearly at the house. Sightail is like wearing Cytale. faces everywhere. He's too busy pretending to be other no, people. No, I think Sightail, he's a linchpin. I think that like oh okay how I, so I think the fact that we don't know where he is and what he's doing right now he's the one that could go between he's the them one all. yeah I would love every chapter he just shows up with a new like he's the guard serving her dinner <laughs> like yeah. he's, he's the guild ambassador's envoy He's <laughs> just like another tank goes by Edric is another like steersman another like steersman. <laughs> how, how he pulled that one up That's why sidetails so good He's too good You can grow a tail when he need to He grew a tank around it. <laughs> you think that's part yeah. Okay, Okay He's just see-through now Oh my god That would be so great <laughs> You cut the tank and it bleeds Oh god Now This is where Irulan brings up the point That I think you and I are on the same page with her with uh, Where she's like Look why wouldn't we want Paul and Cheney to kind of have a kid? Like, that's one way to preserve the genes. Isn't that what you're telling me to do? And again, Guy Helen comes back way too hard to her. Just like, how could you possibly think something she like this? She doesn't want to muddy it with Cheney's genes. Yeah. And that, I still think, like, that is anathema to the Bene Gesserit for me. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. I'm like, your whole thing should be, like, understanding that chaos is inevitable and, like, you, all people should know how to, like, go with the breeze. Mm-hmm. If something's changing, you change a little bit and accommodate it. I, honestly, I think she's just still angry that she didn't get her way the first time. You Well, it could just be a matter of, like, yeah, expectations, right? The 99 generations. She also has the whole line of Reverend Mothers who were also in charge of that program, who were all probably pissed at her, right? <laughs> like, has to hear it every day, like, oh, it's God. in your head of, uh... <laughs> There's, there's got to be something to it, but I, I thought that would be totally acceptable. Like, you should want that and roll with it. And yeah, just try, try again. Exactly. What's the worst that could happen? Like, you have half the line. Paul's still alive. You could still try to mate somebody with him and steal his genes. Like, you have time on your side because Paul is so I, young. I think, well, you say that, but I think that they've been sort of afraid that the longer Paul's in power, the less agency their organization will have just because he specifically dislikes them that's fair and she does say like with an heir it would cause paul to and i'm going to use the word engage with his empire Ooh. again well he's been pulling back and she's saying like if he had an heir he would have reason to consolidate he would have reason to deal like right now he's not dealing with the kizara or the church right he's clearly irritated by them right we saw he doesn't even acknowledge Corba yeah. as like a serious <laughs> hey, person korba pretend to be the pope yeah, he's like you, <laughs> if, you. Fucking love playing games, right? You dress up all day. Get out there, and Corpus. Uh... <laughs> it's like, but if Paul was going to have an heir and knew this was going to continue on past him, he would do like take endeavors to make it a solid, long-lasting, yeah, yeah. Uh, permanent station in my life. And that's just not the case. It seems like right now he's very, um, he's very Alexander. Okay. Of just like never Alexander never had an heir. And oh, that was why that became so fucked up when he died. And no one was, there was no, he never planned for anything after him. This a big it's big empire, like, but and like that's, nothing. That's like me glossing over so yeah. a simplified version of the no, history. That's a really good yeah. way to look at it. Of course, you're always trying to go back to those Roman times, oh, Derek. Oh, oh my, oh, you're going to hate my deep dive. <laughs> Alexander was, uh, was that Mesopotamia? No, no, uh, Macedonia. Macedonia. Mesopotamia is like um, the crescent, the fertile crescent. Oh, okay, you're, gotcha. But it, both M's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like my history in that region is not very good. <laughs> Admittedly, like I'm a dum dum. I guess you're the earl on. I'm, I'm the trying to learn who- every day, Derek. <laughs> hey, you do all right. But I, I love that idea too of like that would make Paul engage. It was very interesting. Of like it's sort of like what he's hearing all now is sort of already what he's right. doing. That uh, that unconsciousness that's well, speaking to him. It's sort of like. Uh... Like the brashness of Duke Leto, like being hot, a hotshot in mm-hmm. his youth, and then you know when he met Jessica and had Paul, he. I mean, he's still like taking chances, but like it's all he about tempered. Paul. Yeah, yeah. Like he's trying to make everything set for Paul. You know what I love within like as you called him a hot shot, it certainly made me reflect back to the old Duke, but then you said he sort of tempered when he met Jessica, yeah, and it's like if you look at the three of them in a continuity, there's like a wildness that then just gets refined to a brutality, Hmm. man, it's interesting how the Betty Je do that <laughs> <They have> that <laughs> effect on people, yeah, oh man, they fucked that family up, yeah, all right, so um. Ultimately, the only thing Gaius Helen is concerned with is that, like, this is set back our conspiracy, <laughs> I'm <just> like, <laughs> it's going to take so long to fix this problem where I'm already fixing a problem somebody else made, There's Jessica. too much red ink right now on yeah. this plan. We need to do something about this. <laughs> so Irulan's like, all right, if this is all my problem now, how can I make Cheney avoid that diet then? Like, this seems inevitable. Guys is like, look, that ship sailed. Like, <laughs> you already fucked that one up. Like, it's yeah. now a matter of when she gets pregnant. Like, it is just it, we're already right. on set course. Um, so an abort effect might need to be used. Oh my god. Yeah. Sometimes I'm glad there isn't a glossary, Mike. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I needed to know how an abort effect works. It's probably terrible enough that it's still in the world here, and that it's like. It's semi-lethal I mean, by the impression that I get. I just, it's like blue pill extreme is what I'm getting right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I, guys, hell I was just like, yep, might have to do that. And, again, Cheney just like, she shudders at the idea of killing Cheney. Yeah. and she's like, yeah. Well, I mean, she kills Cheney. She kills herself. De- yeah. I, okay. I don't think that wasn't the impression I got. You, no? I don't think it was like a self-preservation in You there. think she has, like, some sort of... Uh... Empathy for Cheney? I just don't think Irulan would kill. No, it's like that. Like, no, I, I don't think she like is in love with Cheney. Um, if anything, I, I guess that's a good point. I don't know if she ever has like been in a situation where she's had to do that. I can tell you, no, no, Mike. She's yeah. been she's been writing books. We like her, her first Ben Gesserit deployment was that end of Dune. Her yeah. saying, "Dad, let me marry this man." That was her big role that she was prepped for oh, her dang. entire life. Uh she's dodged some sketchy shit in the um in the Imperial court yeah. growing up. Like we said there were there were attempts on her life. Yeah, yeah. But like she didn't kill Chalice. Like, you know, yeah. her, her sister that uh went to see him might have poisoned. Yeah, yeah. So did, you know, I guess in retrospect, did uh did Jessica ever kill anyone? Uh I mean she tried to. Jessica was in a couple fights with us. She no, she was in fights, but right, she right. never killed anyone. No, no, not in our not in our viewing. She never had to. <laughs> she, she I mean she could have killed Stilgar Oh wait no, I guess she did tell that dude like, "Hey, like you guys don't have to fight over me." She made someone stab another dude. I think that counts. Okay, you're going to give her like the Charles Manson kind of a you <laughs> made him kill them kind of deal. But like no, she literally did though. You're not going to prove that in court, it was Mike. In psychology, she literally changed their thought process. I mean, if you really want to go down this road, I think I can make a strong enough case that, like, just the the thing Jessica and Charles Manson did was the same, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. That's all. That's all. Though there are other things that come into that night, Mike. He really wasn't in control. <laughs> okay. But Jessica, on a whole, I think you're dead on four. And uh, this abortive fact, getting back to here, would be as dangerous as an open attack on the concubine, speaking mm-hmm. of Jessica. Uh, if and- anyone ever found out. Yeah, well, I mean, again, if anything happens to Cheney, Irulan is the suspect, like no, carte blanche. Like, yeah, yeah, we're just we're gonna blame you regardless. Just like, hmm, who's been trying to make sure that no one has a baby? Except Irulan. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we could have like Corba in the room with the knife, seeing him do it, and we'd be like, you think that's Irulan though? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. But Irulan. But but but, but Irulan. So, guys, Helen scorns Irulan's hesitance, which I'm just like again. You're being really harsh on a girl right here, but guys, Helen she's killed a few times. I yeah. think that one definitely because she's she, she had no hesitance. No, not at she's all. She's even laughing at this girl for not taking her first blood. So ruthless. Uh, you know what? Having a, I told her I just watched uh, that James Bond recently. She'd make a good M, Agent M. No, no M, like the one in charge of everything. Yeah. Oh, it would gotcha. be guys, Helen Mahiam. Telling Vaughn to go out and do shit. Judi Dench as Caius Helen. Judy Dench okay. as <laughs> <is Kaya's laughs> That's what I'm building up to. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. be pretty good. Uh, Irulan knows she's going to counter at this. And being like, you know, like, scorn me all you want. But I am well placed as a spy. And I am useful. You know, like, I'm the one in the Imperial household. But do you guys have like another spy already? Is that why you're yeah. like, this is like a pure chain of consciousness thought in her head, right? That she, she's like, I'm the most important. Do you have someone more important than me? <laughs> uh, is that like why again, I'm expendable? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Erlon and Edric, they're just on the same, <laughs> level. same level. I have value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, I have things no. to say. No, you don't. You have overrated value. But she says, like, you know, is that why she's expendable? Guy's oh. Helen's response. In war, all values acquired new relationships. Oh, God. What a way to just sort of, like, sidestep that question, though. I think that addresses it pretty pointedly. <laughs> just like, no, you had value. Values change. They're in flux. The, we're in a war. Yeah. You know, the battlefield's different now. You're all of a sudden not the shining example of usefulness that you were. She's been in this plan for like three days. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a, well, she's been a part. Ooh, of, stock market plummeted here, Lon. Sorry. I think she's an agency in the plan. She was part of that plan for a while. Fair. You know, guys, hell, and using her, oh, but then they God. they needed her. Is active she aware participation of that though? Before, yeah, I don't think so. I think they only brought her in when they needed active participation. Right, like, right, right, I right. need you to do things That's in the so castle. That's so sad to think about because right? she is just on the like, Whole, whole and, life, Mike. Yeah. Her entire life. Oh. She was guided to that moment too. But, like as soon as Jessica had that baby, they would have had to known that they had to guide Paul somewhere. Errolum mm-hmm. would have been on the table for that. Just That's tripping. Super disappointing. So, Iralon gets a sense that her fate is sealed at the hands of the conspiracy. Yep. And she's like, you know what? If I'm going down. I'm going to go down swinging, though. <gasps> she's going to do Blaze of Glory. Yeah, she really yeah. does, right? She's like, all right, we're going to do this. Fine. Do I need to know anything about the Gola? And I'm just like, ooh, you're just going to ask some blunt questions right now. And like, Reverend Mother's not going to take this easily. Uh, the Reverend Mother wanted to know if Irulon thought the sisterhood composed of fools. When had they ever failed to tell Irulan all she should know? Oh, is, even I caught that. Right. <laughs> it was no answer, but an admission of concealment, Irulan saw. It said she would be told no more than she needed to know. She's like, all right, well, do you guys know if the Gola will destroy Paul then? Guys, Helen responds with a little spice metaphor, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, you know, it's as easy to destroy. Can you destroy Melange? And it's like ooh I like that that's like a good like freminidium almost yeah. right And uh we then get this great um what would this be kind of comparison of melange was valuable but the price for longer life was addiction the gola will also have some form of deadly value I like that what do you think his deadly value is going to be we've met hate so far You know I mean, we're we're associating it has a poison of the mind. Psychic right? poison was Psy- what we were told in this. Yeah, in Psychic that chapter poison, the conspiracy I, I was conspiracy. I think together. I'm like going to put it even more. It's just like, it's honestly, it's just sort of ruining Paul's mind and like his perception. Like any sort of uh, empathy that he has, it, uh hate being there with Duncan's body. That just capitalizes on that. Yeah. And there's nothing it, it, he can amp- really do about that. It's going to amplify yeah. that. Yeah. And to like a degree that yeah he uh, can't control the response mm-hmm. or, well at least he's struggling to right I think we saw a few moments he catches himself but he's always just like that's Duncan there mm-hmm. and it's hard it's very hard for him because he I, even before he started uh, asking him like uh, or saying like oh your name will be hate then you'll keep your name he keeps asking him like are you sure you want to be called that. Like, yeah. what do you prefer? But Ooh. do you really like that? Yeah. And I like, it's sort of like a twofold of like one teasing out what he knows is a trap, but there's also a longing probably of like, I kind of I, think wa- I want you to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's definitely there. Uh, but you've sidestepped my question, Mike. What is, what's the deadly value then? Do you think it's, it's just the em- empathy that's getting kicked up? Like, how is that the deadly cost? I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I think that maybe an exploitation of trust. Maybe? It's getting in there. But let's follow uh guys oh. held the times. Oh yeah, yeah good. That seemed that sounded that sounded valuable. Yeah. Sounded no, no, no. Do you think uh No, I, that that wouldn't work. Never mind. You don't get the you don't get to do that Mike. uh <laughs> I, I get to do that to you. No, no, you don't get right. to do that. Acted there. Go on. <laughs> I was just going to say, do you think at any point, having that trust there, yeah. Saitel could worm his way in, pretend to be hate at some point, but he can't fake the metal eyes? Oh. And he doesn't have the metal eyes. We know that for sure. Oh, what a weird catch. I wonder if that's ever like fucked over until actually plan. Like <laughs> they have like one appendage that's like <laughs> in the middle or something. Fuck, we can't do that. <laughs> like, do they have little contacts they put you in. You have or? to make like a custom yeah. fake, a, a custom Gola just to get that done. <laughs> like that's so weird. I I love that idea that you just mentioned of him like taking on Duncan and like what a fun plot point that could have been. Yeah, yeah. not knowing if it's the right Duncan. That would have been, that would have been so good. But, but In all re- he, but, he re- but the, like I love the metal eye metaphor though too. Like mm-hmm. what that means, the symbolism of it, and how it like permeates through the whole book. Mm-hmm. I'm torn. I love your alternate history, your form here. It could be cool. sidetail swapping out, and you not knowing which Duncan's Duncan would make like rereading this a lot of fun. It would. Yeah. But hey, remember not yeah. Duncan. Hate. 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 Yes. So he could be a Duncan then. All but right. No, There's still no. time. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're like Paul you got the the psychic poisoning Derek no it's just like because clearly a god emperor like they are Duncans and we are we have said it (laughs) this is the only one that gets a different name oh really yeah oh that's sad it's hate and then well and then original Duncan becomes Duncan Prime uh I found some cool things for what hate means by the way ooh yeah but I'll tell you another time (laughs) it's how I feel about you (laughs) (laughs) so Let's go then. Well guys hell oh that's gonna be our you know know the entomology? Guys hell no, she's gonna get us back to business, Mike. We've gone off the track, you and I did, Irulon did a little bit, we got business to do. The obvious way to prevent an unwanted birth was to kill the prospective mother before conception, the reverend mother signaled, returning to the attack. I'm like, Yeah, guys Helen's a killer. She is out for blood. Um and Irulon's like, Of course. And then she realizes if you decide to spend a certain sum, get as much for it as you can. Ooh. Of like, there, th- th- death sentence has been cast. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And she's like, ah, you might as well. This is like, of course, you're going to get rid of Chaney, mm-hmm. but use your expendable one to do it. Yeah. You're going to take them all out at once. This is a game of keops for Gazelle Mahayim. Ooh, I think it's a game of keops for Irlan. This is checkers for Gaius Helen. Uh No, but like, so Irulan's the one thinking of a counter right now. True, true, true. Because Irulan doesn't accept this fate. She's definitely going to do her orders, but I'm like, I think she's looking at this like, I'm going to get out of this one. I was just thinking in terms of like sacrificial pawn. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, using her so. Ooh, in the game against Paul. yeah. There's so many games going on on so many levels. Oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. She is throwing that one out Uh, it, very soon in the beginning too. I think it's done. Get the queen out. Yeah. Um. So, Irulan, she realizes now too, like, exactly, as soon as she has this thought, of like, oh, you're going to spend me. You're going to try to get as much as you can. Ah, oh, shit. You know what I'm thinking. Because uh, like, Gaius Helen can read every facet of Irulan because yeah. she trained her. She brought her up. And I just think it's, like, interesting. It's this far into the conversation. Irulan's now like, I probably need to cover some of my tracks a little bit better. <laughs> or does she lean into it and is like, I just need to be more honest than I was being with myself like Emily's physical reactions. I don't even know if it matters unless. (laughs) (laughs) What are her powers? (laughs) Uh, But we get to this excerpt from last week that I read you where it started with the litany against fear. Great to see that finally come up. Yeah. And then the let them spend me and see if they get more than they expected. Yeah. Hell yeah. Go Irulan. Go. They they wasted me. Yeah. Well, just like, I, I don't know if it's a threat or a promise. Like, is she saying, like, I'm just going to do this so well, you're going to regret spending I me, think... or am I going to get you something that, you know, bites you a little bit? I, I, th- I want to go with column B on that one. With column B? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would lean towards I that, I think she's got too. a little bit of spite in her. A little, like, I'm going to hit you back. I'm going to do yeah. exactly what you said. It's sort of like her doing a devil's bargain. Yeah. Like, I will follow it to the cheap. You forgot to tell me this. and like, oh. that's going to get you. Now, they fake some more small talk to cover the real conversation, and then we finally get to the end of our chapter. When she had gone, the Reverend Mother returned to her tarot cards, laying them out in the fire eddy pattern. Immediately, she got the Kwisach hot rock of the Major Arcana, and the card laid coupled with the Eight of Ships. The Sibyl hoodwinked and betrayed. These were not cards of good omen. They spoke of concealed resources from her enemies. She turned away from the cards, sad in agitation, wondering if Irulon might yet destroy them. Yeah. So we got a few things we got to address right there. First, what she flips over, the Kwisach Haderach with the Eight of Ships. Now, eight is also the same letter number of letters as Edric. Oh. Starts with an E, Ships, clearly Highliner. I get all kinds of feelings. Is that what you're going with? I, I would I would go with the the guildsmen. Yeah. Who whom are you getting out of eight of ships? I don't know. Quisotch Hot I feel like is uh undebatable. Eight runs with hate. Hey, <laughs> Oh, oh. oh. uh uh-huh. Mike. Yes. I like that. And the ships would be like hate and the guild. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. I don't now, know, man. Do you know what the Sybil is? No. The Sybil is the Oracle, the fortune teller of old. Oh, that is Gaius Hellemaim. Uh oh yeah so just say when the sybil is hoodwinked that's always going to refer to her she's going to be betrayed or we're just going we are going to use uh frank's got a few words he uses in this book often sybil is going to be one of them and it's always going to be her essentially uh her or the bene Gesserit in turn now what do you think of the last line though iran might yet destroy them That sounds like it's something she's seen. I I was gonna say, like maybe that's why she's being so harsh on her. She's seen the possibility. Why she has to kill her? Yeah. Like why? Like oh my god, getting rid of Irulon for the sake. You think guys, Mahaim has sort of seen her own like miniature nexus. I think you should judge by the excitement in my voice. (laughs) No, Mike, not until this very moment. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you're kind of onto something. I'm like, what if that is it? I'm like, I need to off this dead weight before it does us damage. I think that that makes a lot of sense why she'd be treating her like this. Because so, you're right, it's like, it, it does seem like very harsh and unfair in a lot of things. It's like, how could anyone possibly know this? Yeah, and like a right turn from where we were previously. Mm-hmm. She didn't show her much respect in the conspiracy, but I think she knew she had a purpose. Right. And this just seems like there's something I wonder here what, what is going to do. What if, oh man, go ahead. I mean, maybe it's something that she do- does. Maybe it's even if Erlon has the child. Maybe guys, Helmaheim has seen like, oh, you can't have that either. Oh, well. Okay, possible, possible. I think she's definitely within the pedigree. I don't, I don't know of possibility. I don't though. know. I think she, whatever it is, like she definitely would prefer that she have it versus Cheney. I mean, like because that was the plan. I was gonna say, like you know. Paul was in that line of pedigree as well, but we saw how that turned out. Right, but I'm just saying, for the last 12 years, though, the whole plan was Irulon has that baby. Mm-hmm. That was the goal. But so. maybe she's seen something different. I don't know, <laughs> it, man. She got her changed. fantasy tarot deck from the, from the market. She, yeah. she got a rare card, Yeah, and it changes everything. <laughs> oh, that's got to be it. I think we solved it. <laughs> Why don't we go pay some bills, Mike? Oh, yeah. Derek, the conspiracy is going wild. We don't know who to trust anymore. Who do you trust as your partner, Derek? I mean, it's stupid, but so far, Edric. Ed- oh! I don't think he's trying to do anything sneaky, Mike. (laughs) He's just an open audience. I think I know where he's going with shit. Well, I'll tell you right now. You can also trust to partner with Audible. Oh. Right now, they're offering our listeners a free 30-day trial when they visit audibletrial.com slash pod. Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. You can trust your partner, Derek. (laughs) What happens when you sign up? You get a credit you can use to pick from one of thousands of titles, like Dune. Of course. My first audiobook. And if you sign up with your Amazon Prime account, you get Dune. Credit. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, two credits. Hey, you can get Doom Messiah as well. We, we keep we keep uh, suggesting that. Internet, yeah, this yeah. Just a good one to get. From then on, you receive an additional credit every month to help you build an amazing audiobook library. And Derek, what are you listening to right now? Well, oh Mike, I dipped into Lock and Key by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. And this is actually a comic book that they've uh, done an adaptation to, much like uh, when you were right. in the novel. Yeah. yeah, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, you had mm-hmm. done before. Uh, And Lock and Key is so fun. It's a Lovecraftian story dealing with, like, it's like a coming-of-age story of these three children that have gone through some horrific events. Uh, I should probably point out Joe Hill is the son, it's the pen name for the son of Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. So this is also, like, a main connection for us here. Yeah. uh, Part of why I love it. But it's, like, a Lovecraftian horror in, like, a New England mansion, and these kids find these magical keys, and they do such cool things. Uh, I think my favorite one was the head key where you put it in the back of your neck and the top of your head just disappears oh. and you can look in your head and your thoughts are like manifested things you can pick them up you can move them around oh my god you could uh shove a book in your head and now you know everything in the book oh my god it's, it's such a fun journey uh i loved it there's all kinds of fantasy elements to it uh but it's a really great journey that's lock and key by joe hill and gabriel rodriguez that is pretty amazing but hey Derek, mm-hmm. your 30 days are up on audible what if you don't like it Okay, that actually happened to me, Mike. I'm so, I, I have no one to vent about this to. Oh, so my 30 days were up and I was like, "Okay, what's going to happen here?" And like I got arrested and I was been <laughs> to a jail cell. And I was like, "What is this?" And this <laughs> idiot came down to me and was just like, "You know you have 30 days and you can cancel." Like, of course I know that it's audible, you idiot. Why are you so stupid? She could have just told me that in the beginning, but she didn't. <laughs> So you know, I, I was like, "No, I'm going to keep it." They let me out of jail, but it was really nice of them to give me a 30 day warning. <laughs> and I just, I don't know why they went about it that way. It's all. Yeah, I mean, some people actually get an email instead. They do email. They do email. That would have made so much it more. Been that been a lot easier. Fucking a little idiot. Courtesy email to let you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 courtesy email to let you know that your, your 30, 30 days, days are, are up. <laughs> your yeah. 30 days are up. That's why they take you to jail. <laughs> Time just flies by, you don't even know 30 days are up, <laughs> and then they charge you. But hey, even if you do cancel, you get to keep your entire audiobook library anything you purchase with credits, mm. bought with cash, all those any, originals, all the free in. originals on there as well. And there are a ton, like we started adding a lot more. Some of Frank Herbert's books, get those, Frank besides Herbert's, Dune. yeah, up. they're on there, and you get to keep those for life regardless, which is awesome. And hey, we know you understand the value of a good book, you read Dune. We're going to help you get a free audiobook when you visit audibletrial.com slash SpiceWorldPod. So go there, cash in, put in that little trial code. Let us know what book you get up, because I need a new recommendation for what I'm going to listen to next week. And that's audibletrial.com slash pod. Love it. All right. I can't wait to see what our deep dive is on. Ooh, it's good. It's good. Let's go. All right, Derek. We went to jail. We had a bit of an interesting argument between Gaisel Mahayam and Princess Irulan. What are we actually diving into today? Now that we've passed go, we've collected $200, Mike, we're all set to start up. We're going into the Dune Tarot. Oh, yeah. You saw Guy's Helen throwing some cards out. You saw Irulan read them totally wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got some bits for you. So we're actually going to go through the whole Dune Tarot, and I will do some explanation of all the cards that we've seen laid out, Uh, even the ones guys Helen was kind of looking at today that Irulan Mm. made her really terrible read of, if I were (laughs) going to say. Um, I think it could have been better. But the Dune Tarot. All right. The secrets of the Dune Tarot are said to be revealed in the Azar book, but its obscurities only pique the inquiring intellect and convey nothing to the uninitiated. Some revisions of the Orange Catholic Bible contain some of the symbols, but these spurious additions have unreliable origins in older, abandoned faiths from the time before space travel. Scholars date the tarot from more than 20,000 years ago, and find in the Dune Tarot some symbols common to cultures as diverse as the Bene Gesserit and the Fremen. However, Initiates in the mysteries refuse to divulge any secrets of the temple and indeed refuse even to acknowledge that a temple exists in physical and not just in ideal form. Mm. So this, like, reading that alone, the mysteries, that's, remember the key, the immortality key? That book I yeah. had uh, done a, one of our uh, Audible commercials yeah, on. Yeah, sure. It dies into the mystery cults that were in ancient Greece. That's where I think this is going to allude he- too heavily. Okay, we're going when we call the mysteries. Right, That's right, always right. what those religions were referred to, uh, and then we have no idea what they were because no one wrote anything down or said anything. Uh, and this uh, was this written by McNelly, the specific article? No, this one was not. Someone else. Can. Yeah, yeah, I don't have the actual author for this one. So a tarot deck has seventy-eight cards. The Major Arcana account for 21 cards of power, symbolizing the forces of greatest import in man, society, and the universe. The Minor Arcana are 56 cards, which are divided into four suits of 14 cards each. The number 7 is the mystical seed from which the deck grows. Each minor suit has twice 7 cards. The Major Arcana, or trumps, have thrice 7. So, 14 cards and 21 cards. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Uh, just be multiples of seven. Yeah. These suits together, total 77. Oh, wait. Wasn't there 78, though? The Joker, or fool, is unnumbered in the oh. pack. Yeah! Oh. Yeah. Okay. Glad he caught that mug. He's of the perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Joker doesn't count. But you need him. He's part of the universe. I okay. love it. He's offset. He's like, is he Chaos Incarnate? Maybe. So, Some have argued that the four suits of the minor arcana, knives, globes, staves, and basins, are of Fremen origin because their design aspects uh, suggest that culture. The suits and their associations are thus. So, knives, Mike. What do you think the Fremen is? Oh, it's a Chris knife. Of course. Globes. What's the Fremen? A glow globe? A glow globe. Yeah, Fremen dune. Just like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Staves. This one's a little tougher. Oh, Anchor hook. Ooh, okay, good catch. That would have been worked, but wind poles. Oh. I think even more commonplace, right? Now, basins. Basins? Oh, just like dust basins, sand basins? Ah, no, you see, you're thinking too broad. It's talking basin like a bird feeder basin. Oh. So they use uh, dew collectors. That Now, the, the difficulty escalation to go up there. You got the two easy ones, yeah. and then it got a little harder. Um, now, I can also take you to a few other associations we have. So there's one where they associate the four suits with a human body. So the, oh. the Chris knife is the head. The glow globe is the heart. The wind pole, the loins. The dew collector is the feet. Okay. Just like breaking into the four aspects of humanity. Sure. Uh, we have the levels of society. Chris knives are nobility. Glow globes are the clergy. Wind poles are the merchants. Dew collectors are the peasantry. Oh, so it's like common commonplace, working up to like the rarer okay, things, right? Sure. I especially I like glow globes and clergy. And they sort of divide it into sort of like a a caste system as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, that's part of a it's the feudal system. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how it, that's the levels of the feudal system. Oh, perfect. Uh, and then we also got to have the elements, Mike. Okay. Knives are earth. Globes are fire. Staves are air. Basins are water. Which then oh. the Fremen one is even more down so wind poles are air, dew collectors are water, Chris knives are earth, sandworm, right? Sand yeah, worm, right? Worm. Glow globes are fire. Right. Late. That's just everything. Yeah, that's everything. Really about clever. That was really dead on. Whoever did this did a cool job. <laughs> They're like, Thank you. <laughs> oh. They were probably a witch, Mike. Oh, maybe. Now, four is the number associated with the minor arcana. With its fourfold significances, including the four seasons and what Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mahayim called the four pillars of the universe. Uh, Are you glad it comes back? That's like really good. That's good. The learning of the wise, the justice of the great, the prayers of the righteous, and the valor of the brave. Hell yeah. Very good. Very good. The four suits are twice linked in sets of two. Knives and staves, both elongated forms, are black, symbolizing the welcome night. Oh. Globes and basins, both circular forms, are red, symbolizing the sun and, what a day, and the day it brings. Oh. That's really good too, right? Okay. All right. The bridge between minor and major arcana and the central symbols of the trumps is the sign, M. Do you know what that would stand for? No. Recognized throughout the Imperium. Ooh, oh, that's a really good one. Pre moadib a little oh, bit though. Adib. I don't know that well. I don't know the Dune Tarot. I assume it was around before. It probably would, but be. like we only met it in Messiah for sure. 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 Um, like once you get uh, your ruler can like literally see into the future and divine things. It's just like, oh, tarot cards for sale. Everyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It does line up yeah. really well with that. Um, but. Uh, recognized throughout the Imperium as uh, proper to the letter M in many alphabets. Because, again, it's a symbol, but we would would just say it's M. The initial of melange. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And a hieroglyph for the S. Do you know what S is? Uh, A spice? Sandworm. Sandworm. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's traverse motion. Okay. Well, it's just going over the... uh, Okay. It's just weaving through, you know, doing its thing. The sign unites the elongated and the and the circular shapes of the minor arcana also. And it, in most designs of the tarot deck appears on four cards of the major arcana. So the major arcana suggests a journey, Hajj or Hajra, to a temple, either inner or outer, supported by the four pillars of the universe. Oh. This is already, like, I just wish this was a story. Yeah, I like, mean, like, it, it is. It's called Dune, Derek. Right, no, but I, I want, like, kind of like the folklore tale we went through. Like, oh. I want to go through a journey of through the major the Hajra to the temple that is either in or out or supported right, by the four right. pillars. Supported by the just, you know, the prayers of the righteous and stuff. Right, right, right. Very cool. In keeping with other mysteries, the trumps imply esoteric rites which lead the initiate to membership and then to an exalted state in which the traveler gains the universe, becomes one with the Kwisaj Haderach, or attains Alam Amithal. Okay, what culture did this tarot sort of develop in? Cuz like I'm getting Benny Jesuit vibes and I'm getting Fremen vibes. I mean, I get nothing for the origin of it. Again, I can't date it for you. It's somewhere in the Imperium. But, again, this is all playing off of what the tarot deck actually is in our world anyway. Right. Like, it's all based off of this idea where, like, you're going... Have you ever had your, like, a tarot reading? No, I haven't. Ooh, I had a tarot reading. Oh. Uh, my friend's mom was a witch. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Awesome thing. So, she did a tarot reading for it. And it's really cool where you, you ask a question... You don't have to tell them what the question is. You right. can ask yourself internally. Hmm. And like, cause like the cool thing is like obviously I, I don't believe in this shit. I'm a very cynic. <laughs> uh, I think there's I think they're just doing a cold reading and they're doing it really well, depending on who you get for hmm. it. But then they lay out the card, they shuffle the deck, they lay them out, and they're telling you a story just by flipping up. They're just interpreting them and making hmm. up on the spot. And like I'll tell you like, mine, pretty close. Yeah, it on. It felt it felt really keen. Was this when we were in New Orleans? No, that was no, this, okay. that was a palm reading. Gotcha. I've had many many an encounter with the Romani. <laughs> like, um, I've had a couple. Uh, like. Uh, so it was Loretta was Thor's mom. God bless her. Yeah. She did my tarot reading. And then uh, I don't know who the woman that I met in New Orleans who did my mom reading was. But she was really fun too. I love that one. Mm-hmm. She was totally wrong though. Oh, Loretta. Oh, oh, oh. Like Loretta's thing came slightly true. Uh, but it was also like very generic. And I'm going to keep it a little myself okay, here. but Okay. Uh, sure.
1: Sure. Just the
0: argument went on. I, I do believe she was a witch though. I don't believe the woman in New Orleans was. <laughs> now. Uh, where'd I even leave off in here? I don't <laughs> Being, know. You were asking about the yeah, well the tarot. Oh, just think Fremen vibes and Betting vibes. Definitely, and I totally agree. I get them all kind of thing. More Fremen, I think, more with the Alama Mythal. Yeah. They seemed so in line with that. So because several ver- versions of the tarot um vary in small respects, the following offers only the terms and designs of the major arcana, which are consistent. So that small deck that tells the journey and the story, yeah. That's what we're gonna unpack. All the other ones, yeah, kind of vary. I'm like, what pack you get, Mike? Uh, yeah. What edition and this and that. <laughs> These ones are set in stone almost and have to be this way. So I got card number one. We draw the Hajrit. It's a man wearing a juba cloak. He holds a lathes gun upright in his right hand as if it were a spear. And he raises his left hand in a fist. He stands under the vaulted ceiling of an Atreides castle. And behind the castle, the first moon appears. He symbolizes a fateful journey made in anger. Success beckons. Oh. I like that. I am like, that just tells you like, that is um, Paul's uh, jihad in a lot of ways, right? Okay. Yeah, sure. I like a journey made in anger. And you can just imagine if these cards are flipped out, like that's kind of the stuff you're inferring. Sure. The second card is the Hajrita. It's a woman in a black Abba. And it suggests uh, a Fremen lifts a glow globe high, but behind her, down the recesses of a vast vaulted hall, a crone lurks. She stands uh, for a quest made in love. For failure follows her. Oh. So the cool thing with these kind of cards, Mike, is like the order you get them in really matters too. Right. And their position. Like uh, if a card is above or below another card, it can make a difference. Like where this crone represents, if you draw a card upside down by accident, That matters and becomes part of the reading for it, too. Oh. Which could put the crone above the woman or something. Uh, The glow globe could be submerged in that respect. Like, the ways you infer these things would all change based on those little bits. Okay. Number three, and we start getting into some uh, glossary game words here. Do you know remember Baraka? Oh, Baraka. Wasn't that like a holy man? Hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, a man wears a crown with a sacred M emblazoned on it. The barrel cactus and the evening primrose provide a setting in the peaceful kingdom brought by justice. Oh, that's interesting. That's what the holy man's bringing us. Yeah, like that's a really optimistic one, yeah. right? But again, like the melange is on his crown. I'm telling you that's significant. Card number four, I draw Ulia. Oh, do you remember Ulia? I don't remember Ulia. Ulia was what I thought Aaliyah meant. Oh, oh, God, uh, left hand of God. Hell yeah, but it's the. Uh, just totally separate words. <laughs> it's spelled entirely different. And this is a woman, likewise wearing a crown with a sacred M, surrounded by acarso leaves. A catch basin appears in the background, symbolizing the delights of the blessed. Oh. That's a very op- optimistic one. Now, like, if you were going to draw a card, I bet you would draw a card five. Oh, yeah? ampoliros Oh, I thought I was going to say Beautiful Blue-Eyed Boy. Oh, no, no. Peter, he's not in this edition <laughs> oh, yet. No. Uh, that's going to come well after Paul dies. But you gotta, <laughs> we got to wait expansion. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Harkonnen expansion. But uh, I love this description for the Ampeleros. Sure. The vehicle unites the physical and the spiritual, or unites one's own planet with the regions of the Alam Al-Mithal. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Yeah. Any highliner could symbolize the soaring spirit, but this particular one suggests the endless nature of the task. So again, like how the Constantly cards combine. for home. Well, no, no, but So that is what they, that's the, the story, right? The yeah. curse of these sailors. When you combine this with some other card though, it might mean you're doing that endlessly. Oh. Like the Ampeliros is meant to be like a permit. You know, you're stuck. You're strapped right, right, right. in it. Uh, you have the ways that you could interpret that. You know what this makes me think of is uh, a golden that, compass. Yeah, with the lithiometer. Yes, I always love that where she's just like inferring. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it leaves them the great wiggle room as the author to be like, I can make this do whatever I want. Yeah. Because this girl just has to make it up. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of like part of it is like, I think she just has to feel it's true, right? right. When she says yeah, it, yeah. it. Yeah. So cool. I, lo- I love the lithiometer. Uh, it was a great device. It, it really, yeah. Oh, man. It's good stuff. I love those books. <laughs> we pull out uh, card number six. The Wawi or the Vahi. A man and woman stand hand in hand looking towards a rising moon. They symbolize two in one. Oh. Like, that's like a Paul and Aaliyah kind of there. First moon, these two. Oh. Somebody that's two in one. I mean, I you know what? Could you also make a, a case in point that the first moon mu'adeb is for Paul, the second one's for Aaliyah? Because it is a hand. And we know that Ulya is like the left hand of God. Oh. And she is very much acting like his like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. that.
0: I like that. Oh. Or well, if that's the, what that moon's supposed to be. Maybe. Because we always thought it's like, you know, the the hand of pain remembered. Yeah. But like, I like the idea that it could be, represent uh, Aliyah. Yeah. No. And i love the left hand of God approach being like the mouse moon is God. Yeah. And the other moon being the left hand of God. Yeah. Yeah. A good, good take for it. Think, like, yeah. we, can, we can only do being post-Dune. Hey, we're reading our own tarot, Derek. Well, no, I mean, we needed to know Aaliyah and know these whole effects. True. Like, when we were going through Dune for the first time, the hand was the only thing we had to pull She was from. just a little murder baby at that point. And she wasn't even born, I think, when we hit uh, Hand to Remember Pain. Oh, that's true. Because I think it was the first time we read that line, they were like, that's a great line. Yeah. Paul, like, looks at it like the hand of remembered Pain. And I was like, I wish you brought that up through the whole series. Like, <laughs> that should be a constant thing. Like, that's really powerful. But we got more cards to draw, Mike, sure. and you're going to love the next one, too. We draw card number seven, Baraka Eros. Baraka Eros, so another holy man. Mm, but he holds a ballast for he plays the music of the spheres, oh. which can be heard by only, and yet by all, true seekers of the way. Oh. So Instead of being like, anyone can be a true seeker, which is why anyone can hear it, but only the true seekers can hear it. Uh, he stands for harmony in art or nature. Okay. I love it. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> we card number eight, the crimsful. Wearing a garland of a leaves, a still suit clad figure kneels, arms around a couchant sandworm, both figures against the backdrop of a cheops board. The man, worm, and game board signify physical strength moderated by wisdom. Okay. That wow. one did, that got out of hand fast, yeah. right? But like a person with a worm and it's strength moderated by wisdom. And like the Chew-Ups board is clearly wisdom, yeah, right? Yeah. Conquering the worm, maybe strength, like really gnarly. That were that card must look great. Um we get the illmist. In an Eremite. Okay. An and so that's a, a Christian hermit or recluse. I need to look that one up. Uh, okay. Because it just says an Eremite, period. I'm like, that's telling you sure. what it is. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> so that's the Christian Hermit. The journey is always solitary. He represents either self-reliance or loneliness. Oh. Someone very uh, on their own. Now, card 10 is special to me because it's in the wrong place. It should Why? have been card uh, probably card 9. Why do you say that? Ixian. Uh, <laughs> like, why wouldn't you make that card nine? Why? How did you not catch that? It's so obvious. Do you think it wouldn't print? They're like, oh, McDonnelly, uh, I, I, I messed up. It's a of, oh Yeah, would, like, clearly no editor. Like, <laughs> Frank didn't read this one. It's just right there. Uh, but so Ixion, it celebrates the invention of the wheel as the beginning of culture. Oh, all small things, like the journeyer, are fated for great things, but the wheel turns downward too, and the card can mean a fall from high degree. Again, that's going to be really important of where the card is placed. Right, we're going to get to the fire eddy pattern that um, guys Helen played the cards out in. That's like a circular pattern mm-hmm. around a center card. All right. So I love. I just love. And then X celebrates the wheel. Of yeah. course they would. Going technologically back to like, that's the beginning. That's when we really nailed it. Uh all right, Mike. Card number eleven. And this one I don't I don't give a shit about numbering anymore. But Ishtisla. Oh, Ishtisla. Yeah. The Fediken and the Sadokar were both devoted to Ishtisla. I didn't see that like, i coming when I read this and the starter card, and yeah like there it's basically like both these people worship this okay everyone knows that right and i was like ooh, I, i forgot they had shit in common they totally do though uh the card depicts a perfect square to imply equal proportions for all there is no adornment no obstruction on the square and it is upheld by four pillars course, course, yeah. right? That's center to this whole, like, sure. parable. But I love the foot icon of the Soda card. That's the one thing they have in common. Yeah. They are the same people, and they would probably hate to learn that about each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we're going to draw card 12, and it's got your name all over it, too, Mike. And I don't think I would know how to pronounce this, actually, if we didn't do the glossary game. Oh. Judicar. Oh. Yeah. Okay. This is the inverted strongman, the truth which supports the universe. When heaven is reflected in earthly dealings, it means right makes might as above. So below when times are bad, it symbolizes the triumph of might. I love it. What's the second part that goes with it? It's like Judicar Mahini or Mentene. Mentene. which is also a card in the yeah. dune tarot. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> right of my tongue. Uh, yeah. So Judicar So above, so below. Is that what it said? It's just say basically like, it, this isn't a good thing. It's when heaven is reflected in earthly dealings, it means right makes might. Oh. So, like, your righteousness will bring you strength is kind of the idea I think that it's trying to give you. Okay. As above, so below. And then it's like when the times are bad, it symbolizes the triumph of might. So uh, the inverse of that would be like, you know, uh, might not being right, right. if you, if you can say it. It's sure, not like sure. evil prevailing, so to speak. Uh, we'll continue on. We draw card 13. And dun, 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 guys, Helen pulled this very card today. Oh. The Desolate Sand. Also called the Erg. I love it. A monster like a maker entwines himself in ink vine and enchains a black box. Oh. Yeah, this is what you imagine this card looking like, Mike. This isn't just sand. So this is a maker with a v- ink vine. Both of them are spiraled together.
1: Oh and God. they
0: are surrounding the black box. All right. That makes me think of like a DNA helix. Ooh, yeah. You might, yeah, you got to a little bit, right? Yeah. The unlikely combination of Maker and Vine implies that the initiate must pass through a death phase and emerge having conquered fear. And I wonder if that's just like ink vine is the most painful and like the maker. Clearly, the maker will kill you. Yeah. Uh, these are just the like two words. But also, things. like, doesn't die from an ink vine. It's just like pain. Yeah. Ooh, pain forever, for years. Or the desolate sand itself may represent a great mystery or an ultimate test. A Tahari Alburan. Ah. They're, they're just hitting up every glossary word. I think it's the only thing they had opened open when they were doing this <laughs> section. Because, uh, we pull out card 14, Mike. Great mother. Ah, the, horn, the horn goddess, sign of time, treads on a star. Treads on a star. I know. I really love that. And uh, I have some pictures I will show you at the end. Uh, that is one they drew. They drew a few of them, not all of them. Uh, and it does have her jumping over a star. We pull card 15, the great worm, sometimes depicted as shaitan. That means the devil. Yeah. He lies curled deep in a cave and guards the pearl of great price. Oh. The negative side of each person or in society, the fall of a people. That is the card she, she drew the desolate sands. And now I'm telling you, that's what the great worm means via this book. Is like the negative side of each person in a society, the fall of a people. Interesting. It makes me think of like a Pandora box kind of thing. Uh, how, so, how so? And then it has like all the evils of the world. Like the, the, uh, the great pearl, I mean. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, it calls it the, the pearl of great price. It's just what it refers to it as. And I think it's sort of like, not so much like every evil as Pandora, but it's like something very tempting. Right. And that to get to it, it's going to kill you. Right? right. Like it's just out of our, out of our realm of possibility. We pull uh card 16. You know this one, Mike. What are, uh, oh, didn't we actually just get the saying of like, what are the three things you can always see or something or you can't hide? Uh, oh, I, I can't recall. Can't recall, but one of them was a pillar of fire. Oh. <laughs> uh, a pie rocket falls in the desert and a Cialago hovers in the background. The exoteric yields to Mentene, symbolizing the swift enlightenment or the breaking of a secret. So I'm sorry, that's where they use mentality Uh, within the description of Pillar of Fire. I like it. So, Swift Enlightenment, or the breaking of a secret. I love it. Giovanni and Bruno get the Time of the Sun, too. Yeah, and I, I think that's for breaking of a secret, right? The like the, the Lago flying is like carrying yeah. some transmitting. But I also just love the idea of a, using a pillar of fire, like the um, what we would think of a, lo- of a light bulb over your head. Yeah. Totally what that is there. Oh, gotcha. Do you have pictures for all of these? Not all of them. I got a few of them. I'm going to show you when we get to the end of this list. I only got a few more to go. Because right now, Mike, we're pulling out card 17. Boom, my trap card. It's a star or Sayadina. Ooh. A star adorns the hood of a cloaked Fremen woman. From love mid-service comes the light of knowledge. Ooh. Yeah. like it. Now, with the light of knowledge out, we pull card 18. A lot. Oh, the sun. The sun. The heat of the desert sun encourages the growth of Shai Halud. But this is the devouring sun, a deadly power. It glowers over the desolate sands and a sandworm. It signifies an approaching trial or growth of the spirit. So again, it's like highlighting too for us, like if you get a lot in the desolate sands, you're fucked. These are two cards you don't want to draw. These are pairs you don't want to make. What you want to draw, Mike, is card 19. Oh. The moon. Ah. Either of two satellites of Arrakis. The moon confers the refreshing dew, a source of life, and glimmers over a carso and catch basin, the later adorned with the central symbol. So I love the, uh, the ref- confers, refreshing, de- refreshing dew, like it causes a condensation of like, yeah, you know, it's safer at nighttime too. Like everything about the moon is just good. When we, safe. Yeah, <laughs> safe. We pull card 20. Judgment. A sadhu presides over the traditional scales, which here weigh either the soul or the water rendered from the dead. For the scales Ooh. form the T of the Tao. Oh yeah, we're kind of drawing that connection between like the shapes of it, but especially um either your soul or the water rendered from the dead. <laughs> Just like that's great. Uh, for pulling from the Fremen. We pull card 21, Mike, the universe. A figure with two faces represents the Quisach Haderach, bridging space and time, and symbolizes the intrusion of the divine into the ordinary. And that is the card I think she also pulled, the Quisach Haderach.
1: Oh. Which I think
0: we're calling the universe here, but with the two faces that represent him. I have one last card in here, Mike. All right. The Wanderer. Okay, tell me about this one. Against the desolate sand, he walks alone, his bindle with staff over his shoulder. He does not know what the bindle contains, for he does not understand the affliction a hero brings to his planet. The card may mean escape or expulsion. Oh. That one's really cool, right? All right. So, Mike, I have uh, seven cards depicted for you here. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think you're going to like some of them. So I have the Great Mother, the Universe, the Wanderer, Great Worm, Ixian, Wawi, and Alat. So why don't you, uh, we can go just across. Gonna, you're going you to give your best description for what you see, here. Well, Let me oh. start with the Great Mothers right there. Okay, okay. And so I'm just, I'm trying to read these. Is that what I'm doing? No, I'm just sort of describing what you're seeing there. All right. Uh. So, oh, great. There we are. I said the horn goddess, sign of time, treads on a star. Okay, yeah. So there, there is like sort of like a star-like kind of mosaic figure below that this uh, naked woman is sort of balancing on. And or running has, on, I should say. And she has a veil, and you can see the rack of she's, horns on her head. She's got a veil, and it does have sort of like a... Uh, yeah, some sort of like horn kind of a fixture upon it. That's really cool. That's the first time you're seeing Kubebe. Oh, man. Uh, so that star she's jumping over, it's also the formation you lay the cards out in. Oh, which I thought was really great in there. And you, how many cards do you lay out again? Uh, you do seven. Seven. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Interesting. Yeah. Go like all around in a circle? Mm hmm. Okay. Then we have the universe. The universe. So it's like two faces that are looking away from each other, but you can't tell if the faces are part of the same person or not. And so, again, that was the one that would be the Kwisaj Haderach, bridge in space and time, and symbolizes the intrusion of the divine into the ordinary. I like it. All right. We also have the Wanderer. It looks like uh, like a fremen in the desert with a little bindle, and he's walking towards a lot in the dune. And I mean, that's exactly what I even uh, I looked at that picture first. I was like, is that a bindle? Why does he? Is that like a little, <laughs> like a little a, bindle, a, a little fremen hobo? Like, or it's hard to tell because it sort of looks like the line of the bindle could be the sand. Yeah, it's like is that like an ink blotch? And then like I read the wanderer card. And I'm like, yeah, he's got a bindle on a staff, and he doesn't know what's in the bindle. He's just a hobo of uh, moving through the train rounds of the universe. Uh, the Great Worm. This is cool because, like, I don't think I would have seen the worm right away because it is sort of a spiraling worm, and you can see sort of this rocky earth surrounding it. Yeah. At its center, it, there is, like, a shape, like a star or something. And you know what is crazy is that it's very reminiscent of the new movie that's coming out, the Danny Bayou one. Oh. Where, like, that sort of looks like that worm, right? Those, like, uh, all teeth pointing inward sure, and, like, sure, spoke-like. Yeah. yeah. What okay. do you have uh, for the next card? We got a Waui. The Huawei. And it looks like a naked man and woman looking up at the two moons, which are eclipsing each other. Yeah, and so it's a man and a woman stand hand in hand, looking towards a rising moon. They symbolize two and one. Oh, that was oh, pretty. Actually, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the the lunar eclipse. That like uh, that really adds a little something extra to that uh, saying. There, two and one. Definitely, and I mean, I think uh, we're going to get a lot more an idea of this in the next book uh, to build off of, like, where this card is coming from. Um, next, we got a lot. It's the... I love their little worms that they do for the illustrations. Yeah. They look adorable. Not as horrifying as you would imagine in person. No, that one looks really playful. Yeah. It's like, a, But it's because, you know what? A lot, Mike, it encourages the growth of Shai Halud. And I think true. that's why they included Shai Halud there. A lot is huge in this. It's like half the card. The Definitely. sun just bearing down with his rays. Hell yeah. Deadly power, Mike. The devouring sun. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do we got next? Last one, Ixian. Ixion ah yes and so they they take a little different take on the wheel yeah the wheel well the wheel is just a bunch of different gears mm-hmm. and the wheel turns with all the gears inside of it and i i do like that, that it's sort of like the artist added an extra interpretation with like that wheel spinning spins other wheels and i think that's a really cool nuance to that it. that is really good i like that a lot that's really good yeah that's what that's those are the seven cards yeah they only did seven i mean hey it's built off of seven mics yeah that's yeah, yeah. You got to do, it. of course. You started right there. I like it. Now we may continue on, but yeah, I'm glad. is not. That, that was a fun little, little thing there. Oh, Wait, has anyone? Those are from uh the Dune Encyclopedia. Has anyone actually made a Dune tarot deck? Um, I think there are some out there. Uh, I feel like I found one on Etsy, but it didn't live up to like what I expected. Uh, like the it was, art- was it in like not based off of that tarot. Yeah, uh, I, I'd have to look into it. It's just the art was so varied from card to card, like literally looked like different people did them. And uh. I like I I I like I looked at. I wanted to get something from my Dune collection, kind right. Of, right, right. right? I, I would love to have a concise art, like with the same artist doing each card, kind of deal, right? Regardless right. of what their interpretation is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that would definitely be something to do, and yeah, interesting take. To my knowledge, I don't think there is one out there. Hmm. Now, Mike. When the Major Arcana were used in prognostication, the deck was shuffled and cut, and the top card, representing the one whose fate was probed, was dealt face up. Around it were dealt six cards face down. So I'm sorry, it's six around it, uh, which is a little different from that picture, I guess. Yeah. Uh, But same idea for it. At the prompting of the Seeker, if present, the six cards were turned face up one at a time, the order of their revelation established the order of event. Mm. The significance of the card was determined by their position. Thus, for example, a lot represented a spiritual burgeoning if it fell in the Fortuna position, head or right hand, but um, but warned of a test to come if it fell in the Infortuna position, left hand or loins. So that mean that, like, you would, uh, like, uh, upside down or like no be, no so in think. that circle oh so you do head, put it left, oh yeah so you do follow sort of like the angle of a clock in a way uh, and no, uh, based off the angle no no uh i think i'm talking like uh so i'm saying left or what would be the oh how let's say head head safer head is noon Loins are six o'clock. Sure. Like, I think you're just putting the card in that place. You're not tilting the card, but then if the card comes up upside down, like they're all oriented. Okay, gotcha. You get what I'm saying? Like the back uh, might not have a, uh, it'll be like a uniform design, so you can't tell if it's upside down or not. Sure, But sure. you're just putting them oriented correctly. Gotcha, And perfect. then when you flip it over, you're finding that out. Uh but with these positions I think we are literally talking like so above that center card is the head below it is the loins left and right that sure. makes sense yeah. and then uh I don't know if we have a specific I bet there is a specific name for the other uh ranking spots right cuz that leaves four uh we have our cardinal positions is there a word for like the southeast northeast kind of words southeast northeast i mean well, like, they're, you know, they're still he, cardinals so okay I, yeah. I i only count four cardinals mike <laughs> I'll say the Bishop points. Um, <laughs> the bishop points. I just wanted the hierarchy to keep going. It's gotta be a better name for it. Um, the cards had a ranking of power. Gods, demigods, heroes, Ooh. men, animals, things Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Things. So like what do we call it? Last thing I want to say nouns, but uh, <laughs> within each of these ranks, the expected ordering prevailed. For example, in descending order, Baraka heroes, Baraka, uh, Imist, Hashrit, wanderer. Thus, a more powerful figure on the Fortuna position, say, will outweigh a less powerful position on the Infortuna position. Okay. I think we're getting into, like... We're just being optimistic here, too. Well, no, I think we're just getting into some dicey, uh, like, how you actually read tarot cards. I'm just being like... Then we look at the hierarchy, and if the one is above or below, we take the... Like, basically, like, a Baraka above will just nullify the Wanderer below. I love how many different elements and moving parts are within this. Well, that's where, like, the reading comes into it. Like, it is totally an interpretation. And you even need to take into account, like, if you were the tarot reader, Mike, Mm -hmm. if you did something on accident. So, uh, we played that game we're camping a 10 candles right it's yeah. a horror game and if a candle goes out on accident you have like, to count yeah, it yeah that's part of it this is how if you knocked a card over or something fell out of exactly, yeah. it's as if the force you have asked to be present has guided it too. So if something drops in the deck, it needs to be incorporated. God, gotcha. uh, and I just love that. Uh, maybe if like while you're flipping it over, Febreze took it and blew it off the table, right. you would be like, "That's we're <laughs> not reading that card. Like that's not <laughs> supposed to be here." Like all these things, you just work into the process, and it's so subjective. I think is the point. And how else could you break through to the medium of the Alam of Nithal, right? It's not going to adhere to science. It's not what we're here for. The skill of the reader comes into play. As Alangar Lunachariski says, you know, we all (laughs) know her famous quote, As they say. I mean, you could probably say it, but let me do it, Mike. Let me have my shot and shot. Meaning resides not in the cards, but in the mind of the reader. The card provides only a focus and a symbology for the channeling of the energy, for the cleaning of the vision, for the opening of the eyes of the seeker. Dude, it actually, it makes sense to me. Yeah, hey, all hitting home here. It's all pure beauty. And there were many in a high and low positions in the Atradian Empire who had that skill. Atradian Empire, love it. A new edition of the tarot pack appeared from unknown sources, about 10208. Uh, this is going to be our current year and do Messiah. Oh, because again, this is yeah, what we're yeah. seeing pop up, right? Sure. Both Paul and Aaliyah were vexed by its increasing popularity, but they could do little to halt its use, and they knew, moreover, that the rising tide of divination of all kinds had been inspired by their prescience. It's sort of like, oh my God, Paul's never-ending thing of like, no matter what I do, <laughs> he like encourage things I don't want. Like his prescience is the reason people are like, I'm like Paul Atreides, I can see the future. <laughs> He's like, you're fucking up my game though, because I can't see the future now. Um, they, had, uh, they had marked out prescience as part of the Fremen way and spoke more clearly by their example than by proclamation. Part in, of the fremen way, no. They built it up. It just becomes like a fremen thing, even though it's not right. right. Like in the way they're doing it, sure, the very least. sure. And that, Mike, brings me to an end of the Dune tarot. That was really exciting. I love that. It's a good exploration. I love. I want to see a tarot deck now, like for based off of this. Yeah. Like I, I know there, you could do a Dune inspired one really easily with like. Photos and drawings, but like one based off of this and the rules and the encyclopedia. I, and I love that they I mean, they tell you how to do it. The major, and they don't give you instructions in the minor, but like you could run with it from there. Sure, yeah. Eight of ships. You know what you got to try. Yeah, we know that there's a ship. <laughs> well, but Highliner ships in general, like we we know where the sources of them are going to come from. And having the trump cards all like uh, clearly defined there. Right. Oh, so easy. Low hanging fruit so in wait, a way. You said eight of ships, but didn't you just say there's only seven of each? Suit, no, 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 Mike. Did you not follow my uh thrice no. seven and twi- twice seven and thrice seven, twice oh, okay. seven within the suit? So they're 14. Okay, gotcha. It, it's exactly like a deck of cards. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, they 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 play nothing there and they just add in these cool ones on top of it. These are really the expansion, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're just a normal deck of playing cards. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you could tell fate. Got it. All right, I love that. Yeah, yeah, this is a really great time, but I think that leaves it for me. Oh, Derek, you know what time it is, though. It must be time for homonyms with me, Hara. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Go on. You different <laughs> homonyms with Hara? Hara's homonyms. Each week she gives you a homonym. You tried to guess it. Mike, this week's homonym, do Collector. Oh, this is a real thing we're doing? This is, we've been playing this game for weeks. <laughs> no, Who have so. I been playing Horace homonyms with? I don't know. Do collector. What am I doing? You just got to guess what the meaning of that is. What, of a do collector? Because it's a homonym. What's a do collector? Uh, it's like a... Oh, my God. It's like a scythe, right? Oh, you tell me. I can't tell you the answer. You're going to go with scythe? Yeah. Okay. Let me check. No, I'm sorry. It's someone who collects taxes. A due collector. Oh, my God. And that's been homonyms with me, Hara. I hate you. <laughs> well, the game's out. Should I not do my game? It was due. D-U-E, Mike. You went D-E-W. That was clearly oh, wrong. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> well, now you know how I feel when we get to another game. Maybe uh, maybe some Edric's etymology on onomatology. Oh, that's the one I was putting off. It's <laughs> the one. Each week, I pick a name from the Duniverse to dive into its meaning and origins. Derek, I'm going to give you the meaning of the name and see if you can guess who it is. I mean, is there anyone else I could guess to hang out with? <laughs> no. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's do it, Edric. Hang out with Edric. I mean, Irlon? Ah, Yeah, yeah, you're better off with you. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it, buddy. All right. I got a couple different ones for this, but the one I'm just going to leave down for you is... Well, like a couple different clues? Uh, or uh, different, different names? Different meanings throughout history. Yeah, okay. But oh, I'm just going to go ahead that. and tell you uh, horse-drawn carriage. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will need your next one. Uh, hint of the origin of the name itself is Norman. Okay, like Norman language kind of... Uh, you're talking like English? Yeah, like, uh, like uh, Northern France. Oh, they're the Normans. Oh, okay. Do I not know who the Normans like, are? Like Normandy? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Oh, that was weird. Yeah. Um, But th- there is more to it so, than just okay. that, too. So it's a Norman name. And what was the first clue? Uh, horse-drawn carriage. Horse-drawn carriage. Okay. You got another one up your in the sleeve? Not that I'm willing to share. <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, a Norman name for a horse-drawn carriage. Is that not a cart? Um, that's where we drew car from, right? With the whole entomology on that kind yeah. of deal. Um, oh, I feel like I just learned a cool word for a carriage recently, too. That's really weird to say. <laughs> like, who does that? Right? Oh, I mean, I want to lean towards hate because you said that today. I was like, maybe that's the kind of thing, but that could be too easy, right? We've been trying to oh, trick you. Wait. No. Did we do gurney yet? We haven't done gurney yet, no. I'm gonna go gurney. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like a stretcher. Yeah, yeah, That's weird enough. And gurney. Gotta be Norman esque. Absolutely. <laughs> lock me in with a gurney. All right. All right. We're gonna lock you in with a gurney here. And you know, you know, Derek, sometimes it's just it's good to get a win. Yeah. And it's it's, it's gurney! No way. It's gurney, because. Originally, the etymology of the gurney came from the horse-drawn cab that could open up from the rear. Okay. To what? Put a gurney in? Like, what are we... Oh, no. I mean, like, that's... Oh, okay. The carriage fact I've learned recently. Yeah, the carriage... The covered part of it, uh, they initially, it was covered so like the people wouldn't have to get wet. They never covered the driver. And I was like, they made a point of saying like the driver is always going to get wet. And I'm like, how easy would it have been to put something over the driver? It's like a piece of cloth, a piece of wood. Like you could have easily protected the driver, but they never did. And that really grinded my gears. Yes. So it is the horse-drawn cab on wheels named after Theodore Gurney, who was the US inventor of it. No. Yeah. Uh, Another Gurney. <laughs> That's carrot. why I was named after him. God damn so it. So, the etymology is just based off the name the guy had. Wait, what about the stretcher? Yeah, it's based off of the cab, the still, Gurney oh, cab. Whoa, it still goes to him. Yeah, so it still goes to him. Oh. But where did, he, where did his name come from? We're going to talk about the Gurney no. surname. No. <laughs> no. We're not going to talk about the Gurney surname. You know what? This is just, Everyone misses the Gurney game. We're just going to get a little more Gurney into everyone's lives. And this <laughs> took me down a rabbit hole, Derek. I feel like this is just left leftover on the Gurney game. You didn't, we do, went it. All you the didn't wh- do your homework this week. <laughs> Are you sure? Sure? i got to get us back to Gurney somehow. <laughs> you making it up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Gurney. The Anglo-Normans... Were the medieval ruling class in England composed mainly of a combination of ethnic Anglo Saxons, Normans, Britons, Flemings, Gascons, and French following the Norman Conquest? Hell yeah! Big fan of Gascons. D'Artagnan was a Gascon. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hell yeah! Um, do you know much about the Norman Conquest? Uh, oh, of England. Yeah. Yes. Oh, What do I, you know? Uh, I can but, skip a lot of my stuff if you can okay. tell me. Uh, I believe it was in 1059 when William the Conqueror crossed the channel, and that was the last time England was ever conquered by a foreign party. And uh, they rolled through. I think at that point, the city of London, too, was also already established because that had been left behind by the fucking Romans back in the mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if he actually established his London, too, around it, uh, but I can get you to the city of London at some point. No, that's no, one no. of my favorite historical buildings. Yeah, no. But I, I remember very much William the Conqueror, 1059, went over there, boom. Yeah. William the Conqueror. Absolutely. Like, that's uh that's kind of the big takeaway here. That, uh, him and, uh, a small number of Normans had befriended, uh, the Anglo-Saxon king, Edward the Confessor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was in exile, uh... I am agreeing with you. I do want you to know I didn't already know that. Oh, uh, I'm just like acknowledging your story. Oh, as you're going, oh, but like okay. I didn't want you to think like, oh yeah, I totally knew oh, Edward the Confessor. Was like, oh, I can skip that too. Don't worry. Yeah, no, that was. Like, I do need more. If you got sure. more there, so I'll start over. Small number of Normans had earlier befriended the future Anglo-Saxon king of England, Edward the Confessor, during his exile. Oh, did you say future king? Yeah. Okay. Cool. During so they're his like inspiring a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Yeah. In his mother's homeland of Normandy in northern France, when he returned to England. Some of them went with them, and so the Normans that were in northern France. Now, they, when you say some of them, you mean the army he brought with him, so, yeah? Or is this like an expedition to you figure know, out couple, if we can do this? A couple people, okay. Uh, they went in, and uh, so yeah, they were in there, and uh, they were already in England prior to the Norman Conquest. Okay. Um, since the uh, Gurney surname is from uh, Norman. Uh, origin we can assume that maybe some gurneys went along with them too. oh okay but That's yes. only one idea too there could be other way reasons. Yeah, you know he was he was the weapons master that's true for again for the confessor <laughs> yeah. he's yeah. clearly the lieutenant <laughs> he trained his son like. <laughs> no, that's not how that works well uh well maybe i guess yeah, yeah maybe,
1: maybe, like, enough,
0: a... maybe not for the confessor but i'll go on here he definitely taught him how to play ballast so. uh edward His successor, Edward died. His successor, Harold Godwinson, came along. We don't like this guy. You know what? Wait, wait. we don't like him? Yeah, we don't like him. son, Godwinson. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, We're going to go ahead and defeat this guy. So, William Conqueror, this is the guy that William the Conqueror defeats. And I should say, at this point, he is Duke William the Conqueror. So, hey, a gurney to a duke. Who knows? Ooh, okay, okay. Maybe there's something there. And that was at the Battle of Hastings that he was able to defeat him. And it led to William's ascension to the English throne. Mm -hmm. And he started that current line. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then the victorious Normans that were part of it, they formed the ruling class in Britain. So... Uh, with that movie that we watched in the play, The Ruling Class, where Earl of Gurney, there's a little bit of truth into the history and oh. etymology of that. Oh, oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, do, do you know that it directly ties to that? Well, that was a made up name for that play, wasn't it? No, no Ger, I mean, the surname Gurney's been around for a long time, and I think it just is. Definitely the surname, but like making it a, an Earl. Yeah, no, like, I mean, like that was def- all probably made up and fictional, oh, but like yeah, the right. idea that Gurney, that's a name that would check out. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's super um, cool. So I'll go on to my next part here. Um, Wait, hey, did you happen to do the extra of work? Does Iver Gurney connect to this house? I mean, from the surname, it's probably just, yeah, probably an ancestor of some sort. Okay, but you're not 100%. Not 100%. I, would, I would have loved if you were like, and I got the line. I could only go so far back, and I'm, I'm hey, still going back for here. Sure. Hey, we'll go to his tomb. We'll figure it out. Still going backwards here. Next part, all in all, just another duke in the wall. <laughs> duke William was the Duke of Normandy from 1035 onward. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm just playing the song. Yeah. All in all, it's just uh, another duke in the <laughs> exactly, wall. Exactly. By 1060, following a long struggle to establish his throne, his hold on Normandy was secure, and in 1066... Oh, ball- that's like... Wasn't it 1059 that they did the war? Nope, a little bit after. So in 1066, following the death of Edward the Confessor, who had become the king, uh, William invaded England and leaded, uh, led an army of Normans in victory over the Anglo-Saxon forces, which we just talked about. Oh, wait. wait, wait what year was that? I'm sorry. I just uh, 1066. 66. Oh, so, man. I mean, you were close. Yeah. Closest in count, Mike. Only with horses and hand grenades. Hey, f- 15 years. 16 years. Only with horses and hand grenades. <laughs> you ever heard that? No. Oh, yeah. That's a classic. Uh, you said horseshoes, right? I just heard horses. I'm like, shit, no, I think <laughs> I said horses. I think I did say horses. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. That's why one of my family grabbed oh, horses and hand <laughs> <laughs> What does he mean? <laughs> Grandpa rides horses really weird. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> God. So, uh, yeah, no, see, he... Uh, once he beat Harold Godwinson at the Battle of Hastings and suppressed subsequent English revolts, it became known as the Norman Conquest. And more importantly to us, what we need to know is that Duke William of Normandy, mm-hmm. who led this, and who now we know is like a very pivotal figure in the migration of Gurneys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as historians subtract. historians subtract, <laughs> was a descendant of one Rolo. We could call this the Gurney Diaspora, which is like, this is when they were <laughs> in the world, like. <laughs> Uh, I, I should call it, I think it's Rollo, actually. What is? Uh, he was a descendant of Rollo. Okay, who is? Uh, William? Duke William of Normandy. What is What is Rollo? Oh, that's a great question. All right, so let me go to the next one. Uh, Rollo was a Viking who became the first ruler of Normandy. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, that seems to make sense for yeah, where uh, William came from. <laughs> obviously, no, that's in northern France. He emerged as an outstanding warrior among the Norsemen who had secured a permanent foothold on Frankish soil in the valley of the lower Saint, uh, Sina. You just wanted to bring us back to Frank. <laughs> well, I mean, a France originally, I think that meant like uh, like the heir, the kingdom of the Franks. Well, we, yeah, we call it Franco. It's yeah. always like the term for it. Uh, like how you use Anglo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can be a Francophile is someone who's super into French history. Or super into Frank Herbert. Yep, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's been harder to differentiate the two as time goes by. <laughs> One's overtaking the other. Yeah, right. Um, after the siege of, oh, I'm sorry, Paul from Montreal. I'm going to butcher this. Chartres? I want to say Chartres? I think it's it's where... Um... I just heard a screen break in Canada. <laughs> no. What was that? No. It's, it's where uh, Notre Dame is. Okay. Uh, That area. Um, In 1911, Charles the Simple, the king of West Francia.
1: Oh,
0: oh, that day. Charles the Simple. (laughs) No one has respected you for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, not great. Uh, So after uh, Chartres was siege, he went ahead and gifted... Uh, Rollo with, uh, lands between the mouth of the Sina and what is now known as ruin in exchange for Rollo agreeing to end his brigandage, swearing allegiance to him, religious conversion, and a pledge to defend the Sina's estuary from Viking raiders. Is brigandage, is that like being in jail? Oh yeah, like a brigand. I, yeah. I get it. Now. Again, this is like a uh, perfidy, Mike. Never knew the definition <laughs> of that word, but I kind of know what it means like criminal, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's robber. It's just like, please stop doing what you're doing because we couldn't stop him, yeah. And I, uh, to sort of like seal it as well, he also, uh, his daughter married Rollo as well. That okay, so, I mean, like, that doesn't make sense to me, <laughs> like, yeah, and yeah, yeah, that made him stop, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I gave him my daughter, he, for, no, <laughs> well, I mean, just like, yeah, everything, but he basically, uh, you kind of legitimized he, him. He did legitimize him because he was a king of, uh, uh, yeah. and, and there's also the, I, I think like marriages don't have the significance to us. that they obviously would have then. right. And exactly. like, that is a fucking peace treaty right there. Yeah. Cause it's like, we're family. It's like, we're you them. have like, you're like, you're marrying into the Royal family. You're given land. He became a, uh, pretty much just royalty in its own way. Uh, the offspring of Rollo and his followers, through their intermingling with the indigenous Frankish and Gallo Roman population of the lands they settled, became known as the original Normans. Excellent. Okay. So there's a little bit of Viking here in this Norman blood. I mean, there's Viking everywhere in Europe, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of yep. how it's kind really, of. Really, there is. It's how we roll. Yeah, yeah. But I was able to at least like track it down. Track it down. Bring us back. And you know what? There's a chance it's in that gurney line. Yeah. Well, I got another, uh, another part here called. Eudes and Hughes and Gurney's, oh my! Uh, Rollo, in turn, I love it. Re- rewarded some of his followers, including one Yudes, with the land of Pays de Bray, in up, Normandy. What what is that word? Eudes? Eudes. It's the name of one of his followers. Ooh, one it, of the Vikings that was. Yeah, with him. Has, has it, is that a y? It's E U D E S. Okay. Eudes. Very weird. And it's, uh, it's part of the etymology for another word that we'll get into here in a second. Or name, I should say. <laughs> oh, okay. In the land of Pays de Bray in Normandy, and that was given to Eudes. And this suggests... The land Ud- of what? Uh, uh, Pays de Bray. Okay, I th- I'm sorry, I thought it was like pays too. like that was like a hyphenated <laughs> kind of word, like, you know, on the whatever? No. Okay. Well, uh, uh, it suggests that Yudes wasn't a particularly close follower or friend of Roa. Bray <laughs> comes from the same Gallic root as brackish and can mean a swampy, muddy marsh. Nice! Uh,
1: <laughs> so we're know, getting down in the
0: shit. It's using your administrative power to throw some shade. <laughs> exactly. Oh, shit town? Yeah, that's over <laughs> that's there. yours. <laughs> nevertheless you'd stuck it out and his son hugh was the first man to <laughs> fortify the already ancient... <laughs> his, his name wasn't hugh was it? hugh no but was it hugh hugh <laughs> no okay. it wasn't nevertheless you're gonna love this <laughs> he'd suck it out uh, and his son with him was the first man to fortify the already ancient village of gurney and bray <gasps> nice yeah you brought it back mike it's pretty good Hugh's son, Renaud de Gurney, was the first on record to adopt the village name <laughs> as his own. That was the origin of the Gurney surname. Damn. Okay. So we put it to the town, and they took it out of, like, respect? I mean, I guess, yeah. Because it just means, like, uh, Renaud of Gurney. Right. And yeah, that yeah, just yeah. became his actual name. Yeah, it's sort of like how people, you know, started getting get a name by their profession. Like exactly. Baker, Smith, whatever. Like, that's really cool to be like, you're in charge of this. You take yeah. on that whole area. Yeah, exactly. So pretty cool. The Norman Gurneys arrived in England with Hugh de Gurney, uh, one of the conquerors. <laughs> Hugh de w- Gurney, yeah, Hugh de <laughs> Gurney, one of uh, William the Conqueror's most senior commanders. Of course he was, it Mike. Was. He's, he was the he's a goddamn master. Gurney. <laughs> Hugh, with his son, also called Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but <fought laughs> the Gurney line, <laughs> not that inventive. I'll give him that. Fought alongside Duke William at the Battle of Hastings, bringing with him numerous forces that did, in quotes. Great execution amongst the English, according to one 19th century historian. Named he, Gurney. <laughs> named, <laughs> named Gurney. He benefited from the distribution of the conquered lands just as Yudes had done before. And in Hugh's case, he was given Yarmouth in Norfolk. And Gurneys have been an important family in that county ever since. Yeah. And I looked through my Gurney surnames when I was doing the Gurney name. Uh-huh. That is like a huge nexus of like, of, Gurney. <laughs> of Gurneys. <laughs> nexus of Gurney. I like. So you said Yarmouth? Yeah. Mike, we got a Yarmouth near us. No, we do have a Yarmouth near us. We're once. drawing Gurney lines. It's all I'm saying. <laughs> you want to draw that line. And uh, our final, our final part. Gurney, Gurney, Gurney. Remarkably, in 1066, it was not Hugh de Gurney's first visit to England uh, with that Norman force. Okay. 30 years earlier, he led a Norman fleet in another assault on British shores. Hugh just like on a whim? Yeah, just You're on like, a whim. I'm going to go on vacation. I'll show you what happened. So it starts with this, oh, uh, I'm going to. Butcher this pronunciation. I think it's King Nut. <laughs> <laughs> that butchering was not the way I went. King Nut? <laughs> yeah. It's C-N-U-T. Okay. I was like, I don't know I, how, is that Knut Nut? Like, how do you say that? I uh, I mean Newt? like we're either gonna offend Paul and call him a Knut or like <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. King Knut. <laughs> uh he died in 1035 and he ruled much of Scandinavia and England and um his passing triggered several contests for the various crowns which he had vacated uh this king Knut had won the english throne after defeating the saxon incumbent edmund ironside fucking dope name yeah in 1016 and in 1036 a certain prince edward hired norman mercenaries to get it back for the saxons Ooh, all right well, hell yeah who, normans who could, who could that prince edward be i wonder <gasps> was he a gurney no 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 but well, we talked about an edward earlier uh one, we had a Edward the Confessor in exile in Normandy. Damn I was going to kind of get that damn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you were saying, yeah, we were just doing like the 30 years prior. Exactly. And then he gets back. Yeah, of course he's going to hook up with the Confessor. The Norman force in ships under Hugh de Gurney's command landed somewhere near Southampton. The attempt was, at least at the siege, unsuccessful. After a small skirmish in the area, Hugh, Edward, and the rest of the troops returned to Normandy. Hugh pursued a successful military career there before having another crack at England with William in 1066. Oh, Gurneys never give up. They never give up. It's like, oh, we failed that one time, but we're going back, boys. This Edward was, in fact, the future Edward the Confessor, who spent his early life in exile in Normandy as the King of England in waiting and finally ascended the English throne in 1042. It was his death, obviously, in 1066, which we talked about. It triggered the events leading up to the return of Hugh de Gurney with William. Back at the Battle of Hastings. Yes. And that's all I got. Mike, you brought us a little serpentine to get there. I love that spill out at the end of bringing Gurney like he... Two-timing. Two-timing England. He got it. He got there. He got his title. Established his family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is really cool. It's pretty great. And so uh, we know for a fact that he did like fight at the Battle of Hastings. But he might... uh, Some other Gurneys might have even gone there earlier than that. Oh, with, that you're uh, gonna say he had some other gurneys fight in his stead. No, no with Edward uh, the Confessor. No, no, but it's like for him. Like he wasn't actually on the battle. Other <laughs> gurneys fought for him in his name. Because uh, Edward but. hired him earlier to try and do this and then it, mm-hmm. you know it didn't pan out. But then when Edward went back to England, maybe some people followed him, we know for a fact there were Gurney's at the Battle of Hastings and as part of the reward for fighting this, Rollo went ahead and sort of bequeathed onto them or was it uh, not Rollo, uh William bequeathed onto them uh, additional land, and that's how they got Yarmouth. Got that. Yeah, that's so cool. So we got, we got no matter what, somehow a gurney sneaked into England at one point. <laughs> exactly. Either like brought in by the Conqueror or just crept in and just, dis- I'm here, <laughs> uh, call, <laughs> call me gurney. Ah, <laughs> oh, That's so good. What if the gurney took the other gurney's land? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. The only thing is I could not find an origin for the name of the ancient village of like uh Pays de Gurney. Okay. What was it? uh let me find this. Uh oh Gurney on Bray. I could not find the origin of that. Uh what, what do you mean? Like why it was named Gurney on Bray? Is there not the river Bray by it? Yeah, that, there was that, but what about Gurney? Where does that name come oh, from? Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. I just i that was as far back as I could go. That makes sense. And if, if anyone does know that, let me know. Because, like, well, if I'd you can curious. tie it legitimately to a, to a gurney, in yeah, particular. Yeah, or to something before that, even. Because the surname didn't pop up until uh, Huda Gurney. Uh, okay. Of, like, so somebody... Just why was the village named Gurney no, yeah, Bray? Yeah, so I'm saying, like, potentially that had another definition before, and then, like you were saying, when somebody's there, they then define themselves by the land they live in exactly. and take the name Gurney. Because we know the Bray means, like, brackish and swampy, but, like, we don't know what Gurney meant. Like, if Gurney originally meant swamp as well or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Or if it's literally just a made-up name for the town. Yeah. Maybe it was, but it's pretty cool. I don't know. People weren't that creative back then. I don't know. <laughs> So uh, that's all I got, Derek. What do we got for our distrans? Do we have a bat coming in? Why don't you open up that door and let him walk right in? Uh, <laughs> this bat's got a bus pass and some girth. Bruno, I got a chair for you, <laughs> some steps and a ladder. <laughs> He's a land bat, Mike. A land bat. No, put your cigar out. <laughs> okay, okay. I I got I do have a distrans in oh, here. Oh, cool. All right, this is from uh, Dylan Mackey uh, or Makey uh but he says hello again you two put out a call for theories on who in the council meeting falls into the categories of ego id and super ego yeah yeah i was thinking about that you got an answer mike now Dylan's no expert but you know what? he's willing to make a claim and that makes him an expert in my book <laughs> there uh, we go i'm gonna elevate him up a little bit but all this so and he even starts with this great uh preface of like look most of uh, freud's theories are not commonly accepted by the psychology <laughs> community. That is flat out true. Yeah. He was a great person for like steering the ship in the right direction, but most of his stuff is bullshit because mm-hmm. he went too far. He went too far with it. You can use it a There's little bit. Too much spice plastic. There's also a whole problem with psychology in general where um I was recently uh I I give you that um one episode from Vox's podcast, Unexplainable. Okay. Uh, they have one that touches on this psychology problem where a lot of the uh, lab experiments in psychology are not replicable. Replica- replicatable? Replicable. 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 Thank you. Ooh. Uh, like you're not able to repeat these experiments when you actually test them out. So the majority of their like the- oh. thesis work it's f- it doesn't it's, useless. it's based off nothing. Exactly. Much like Freud was. That's how the whole field operates. And like, you can can kind of imagine the reasons why. Like, getting inside a person's head, that's going to be the most difficult thing in the world to study objectively. Mm -hmm. Like, how can you ever make someone be honest with you when they're not honest with themselves? You guys are in a parable. uh Vox story, too, if I can delve on this a little bit. Uh, it started, it had this uh, psychologist who, remember um, the last total solar eclipse that was going over the U.S.? Yeah. Uh, he was like, it was that day, and he was on a bike ride, and he was sort of just like, damn it, those scientists, physicists... They're able to provide the people. Like, this was a whole experience that all the country came out for, right? Yeah. Because these scientists were able to tell us exactly when the planets would be in a specific orientation. Like, it's so so arbitrary to make this one distinct shape on the Earth. And we all came out, and we have a collective experience because of it. And he's like, damn, their science is so dead on. They were able to predict this 100 years ago, right? This would be here. He's like, psychology can't. Can't do that, <laughs> and he's like, "That's unfair." <laughs> so he's sort of like, "What can I do to get like psych- like psychology to that level?" Sure. And so the episode takes you on this journey where, like, it really is like impossible to an extent, and it's so sad that you can't really get there for it. But I just love that that the difference in those sciences, but we both regard them as hard sciences in a way, mm-hmm. right? So we will let uh, Dylan totally. Take rank. You are a psychologist in our book. <laughs> More we'll, than we Kasperoid are. Will Freud aside, and he is going to attempt to rank the ego, the id, and the super ego. His own f- reading, if you will. Yes, in this council meeting. And do you remember this chapter in particular between Paul? Well, still, had a lot of folders. No, 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 not that one. Oh, uh, I want to zone in on. Remember when Paul was talking with Cheney, and then we do a flashback to Paul and Erlon? Oh, right, right, it was right. That okay, sure. Chapter. So we were talking about pregnancy and birth and all these kind of things. Now, he's going to um, he include a picture, actually, for us to look on of an iceberg, kind of describing what the id, the superego, and the ego are. Okay. But he's like, the three uh, make up the human personality, according to Freud, in quotes. Uh, so the id is your basic impulse, sex, and aggression. This okay. is nature. Your superego your super is the ideals and morals striving per, for, for perfection. Ego is the mediator between the two. The end decision maker. The surface visible conscious level of personality. Oh, all right. So with those in mind, he addresses the scene as thus. The id is Irulan. She either wants to sex Paul or kill Paul. (laughs) These are very base instincts for her. The super ego is Paul. He has ideals, scenarios, and goals. Seems to be over the act of committing violence. Seems to be stubborn and unwavering. Okay. You know, he's got high minded ideas, definitely. Then we get to the ego. That's going to be Cheney. She mediates the disputes between the two frequently and tries to offer solutions. It's exactly what happened in that chamber, where even the interlude, where I was like, "I wanted Paul," or I'm sorry, I wanted Cheney to confront Erlon but instead we get the super ego and the id combating all outside of the ego, which would be the, the normal. The yeah, yeah, right. And then we reflect back to the ego to comment on each of those. In it, oh my god. Uh, He concludes, uh, Dylan, the community can fight over who deserves which labels, but those are my votes. Maybe the (laughs) id, super ego, and ego uh, will be a reoccurring theme throughout the book. The spice must flow. Dylan. Thank you so much, Dylan. That was really good. Yeah. And so I got this little image here, Mike, uh, and you can see basically a iceberg oh. and the majority of the Ooh. ego is the above surface sure the um pre-conscious level which is the super ego is sort of like in between both okay and then you have completely submerged this id this sort of like unconscious force that's oh. so primal which is the sex and murder right 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 the just survival in a way okay i like it i really like it do you have uh i mean do you have any critique to that that seems dead on to, to me to that like, picture like i mean well no to like the um no i mean with the application to that yeah with the the i mean obviously this is just like an interpretation of things like we know that airline is more than just like sex and uh yeah, yeah. well i would at least i'm always in her corner yeah, yeah i'm gonna yeah, make gotta, sure to that point Um, but you know, I mean, that sort of seems to be your drive. It's like, I'm trying to have his child like desperately. That's what I'm trying to do. That's my goal. And even, yeah, if you want to narrow it down to like that chapter, like that is her motivation. Yeah. It does get to be that simple for you. Um, with Paul, with the final arbiter, I would say maybe the ego, but yeah, I think the super ego, he does have his own ideas of what he thinks is right and wants to do. Mm -hmm. but I think Chaney, she's got the wisdom in order to sort of see column A, column B and like temper him in a way. Yeah, It's like why she can like, well, she's, you know what it is? It's the realism. Yeah. It's you're so grounded in your base level consciousness Mm -hmm. and what we'd call Yeah, you're present in reality. Paul's off in the Alama Mythal and now like we're obviously lowering Irulan for the sake of this metaphor, but Irulan is just trying to do a simple action to survive. She's animal-like in this scenario. Right, 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 sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's great. I think he hit it. Uh, yeah. I would agree with that. I got no critiques, no notes. <laughs> that is super great. Thank you so much, Dylan. Thank you. That was a fantastic distrans. Br- no, Bruno, stop giving me. You can smoke again. That's fine. <laughs> uh... I'll open a window. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank oh you. My God. Uh, I think it does it for the week though, Mike. Does anyone have a question for us? Do you guys perhaps know a wine we could afford? Let us know. We're at Spice World Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can always send it to DISTRANS via SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And of course, there's our website at SpiceWorldPod.com. And if you're looking for another way to support the show, come join us over at our little sketch at patreon.com slash SpiceWorldPod where you can find our exclusive Between Two Dunes episodes. Things like Ampleros, we talked about today. Mm -hmm. Norma Senva, we also talked about that today, actually. And I brought up the Folklore, Mike, our newest one. Folklore and Ladies of House Carino. Oh, oh, gee, we're really heavy on it. I'm so sorry, guys. I didn't mean to tease you. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, Yeah, I did, me too. I I think we are going to release one of those here to the public soon. I just don't (gasps) know which one. That's right. Oh, I think we start at the beginning, Mike. You know, you got to let out the Ampleros. The Ampeliros? The infinite traveler of the cosmos. Sure. Might as well be them on their uh, redundant journey. And Absolutely. Then you guys can join us for the rest. I think uh, each month there'll be one free between two dunes. Coming out of the vault? We're kind of like Disney now. Yeah, like each month. It's not going to be on a, a set timetable. <gasps> it's like one month, two months. We'll, we'll set something out there. Out of the horde. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's got to be Rocket's Horde. The yeah. Rocket's Horde? Yeah. yeah. Fuck okay. you, Disney. Cutting that off. You can't <laughs> sue me for nothing. <laughs> I love it. Um yeah, and to Derek. Yeah, Derek, I gotta it know. It leaves one step. I got it. Of, of course. What's What's happening I got, next got something. Week? Where you got any idea where we are going? No, not at all. You wanna take a stab? We haven't heard from Cytale in a bit. Okay. Let's see what Cytale's up to. Alright, let's see if that happens. <clears throat> the departing swarm had stirred up dust. The flinty odor came to Aaliyah's nostrils, <sighs> ignited another pang of longing for the open lead. Oh. Her sense of past, she realized, had been sharpened by the coming of the Gola. There'd been much pleasure in those untrammeled days before her brother had mounted the throne. Time for joking. Time for small things. Time to enjoy a cool morning or a sunset. Time. 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 Even danger had been good in those days. Clean danger from known sources. No need to strain the limits of prescience. To peer through murky veils of frustrating glimpses of the future. And that's my quote for you. Mike. Oh, we're going to learn some of her power a little bit. Definitely. I told, ah! I mean, like, hammering it in every chapter. He's going to bring us there. We're going to get an Aaliyah chapter. Will Thank we get you. all the answers you want? That's what oh, I I've I've wanted. So good. Be good. I'm happy. We'll figure it out then. <laughs> Until then, Mike, the, the spice, spice must, must flow. Patrick just has one of those faces only uh, a guild mother could love. There are no guild mothers, right? No, none. (laughs) Oh, so so no one loves him? (laughs) What's a guild mother?